good news everyone talking futurama is coming back for talking futurama season two part two fresher than a summer ham this podcast comes every friday and if you sign up at the five dollar level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons you can hear each episode as it goes live that's right sign up today at patreon.com slash talking simpsons for five dollars to hear talking futurama every friday throughout the rest of 2020 and also all the previous episodes we've done so far so head over to patreon.com slash talking simpsons now or we're gonna clamp you shut up and take my money i heartily endorse this event or product Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons, the podcast that's good friends with Terry Bradshaw, but not the one you're thinking of. I'm your host, the semi-proud Ohioan Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Hey, it's Henry Gilbert, and cinnamon on chili sounds kind of gross to me, I gotta oh, say. We'll talk a lot about that, and who do we have on the line? It's Nina Matsumoto, soaking in Ponzu. Mm-hmm. And today's episode is The Road to Cincinnati. You are the only ones having fun! Just you! That's true. And today's episode <laughs> aired on November 29th, 2020. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby. The Croods, A New Age, is number one at the box office. Everyone is trying to get their hands on a PlayStation 5 and an Xbox Series X. And President-elect Joe Biden got a hairline fracture from playing with his dog Major too hard. That dog is going to come back and finish the job, Henry, I'm afraid. <laughs> gonna make, are you saying he's got compromat on Biden? I think so. <laughs> what uh, if a cat rubbed up against Joe Biden too hard and just his, his knee snapped off? I was uh, very amused when I heard that news, but it's because it's very, like, uh, Mr. Burns-esque. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. It is. Uh, uh, that rib always breaks. <laughs> like breaks his back from petting a dog. Although I will say his dogs are adorable and i would die for those dogs so i totally mm. get it yeah what a low bar it is to uh, cross of just like a president who likes dogs is like nice again it's like oh wow yeah remember when a yeah. president like could pet a dog that feels good he's not repelled by the love of an animal <laughs> yes yeah. interesting he doesn't understand why people like dogs at all and yeah. so there's a new crudes movie inexplicably and you know what i've heard the crudes isn't bad and uh there's a box office is my question there yeah. there is a box office and I, we're counting things I, I mean, it made like under $10 million to be number one, but technically $10 million of business was done with The Croods, A New Age in theater. So it is number one at the box office last weekend. Any movie that comes out right now just goes straight up to the top. Yeah. (laughs) You know, not too long ago, Disney uh, Plus was like, yeah, all the movies are coming to Disney Plus this year. And now as of this recording, like just recently, HBO Max is like all Warner Brothers movies day and date on HBO Max. I know. That's breaking news, man. I I wonder what... What uh, Disney, you know, they've been they've been doing some of their stuff day and day, but they didn't do it. They've been holding back their Marvel movies. So this was like 2020 will always be remembered as the year with no Marvel movies in theaters. That's the only <laughs> the most thing important people... thing. What an awful year! <laughs> Probably the worst part about 2020. Uh, I wonder if I can have access to those movies somehow because we don't have HBO Max up here. I want to see that new Dune movie. I didn't. I forget that HBO Max is not available across the border c- until friend of the show Matt McMuscles was talking about it too 
knew that he uh, he is a huge Godzilla fan, and the Godzilla vs. King Kong movie being on HBO Max means he can't watch it. Can you just buy it digitally somewhere, probably? Like, any kind of marketplace? I, I mean... Pay 10 bucks, 12 bucks? I think you'll be able to steal it somehow, yeah. but I, I think it won't be on a digital storefront. I think they really will want you to just... Uh, Warner will want you to either go to a movie theater and risk your life, or sign up for HBO Max. And if you can't do either of those things, I think you're SOL. But I do want to warn my future wife, Nina, who's on this podcast right now, that uh, I just got a new Kindle, and I'm thinking about reading Dune. So I'm going to become one of those Dune guys. <laughs> I, was just, uh, I don't mind that. That's what you're in for. <laughs> I was just is that a thing? Is that a, is that a Dune guy? Oh. I guess there are a lot of lot of guys who get the, the fear thing tattooed on them. The there, whole speech. There are intense sci-fi fans who really love Dune. Have you seen the old movie? Uh, no, but I kind of want to. I've seen it. <laughs> I've been hearing my whole life that the from the Dune book fans, they just say like the movies all suck. It's only about the books. <laughs> I'd rather watch Blue Velvet. Mm. It's it's a uh, it's an experience. If you want to see it, we could watch it. That new Dune uh, looks pretty good though. I mean, and also that director, like he did a very good job with Blade Runner twenty forty nine. But going back a little bit, I wanted to say it's um it's very unfair how the new Animaniacs was animated in Canada, but we can't watch it up here. Oh no! I, damn. Only some of it was animated in Canada, so they should let you watch the ones that weren't. <laughs> <laughs> Just the scenes that were animated here. Yes, man. The, the I didn't. How is Canada so outlawed on all these things? You know what, Anina? You don't have HBO Max, but you do have uh, healthcare. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> let's let's let bygones be bygones here. No, what my cartoons and movies? <laughs> I'll trade you. <laughs> How about we give Canada HBO Max, and then uh, America gets nationalized healthcare. Well, once uh, you move up here, you're going to get a lot of healthcare, but but ooh. where are you going to get your? cartoons from I'll, I'll sneak them over the border through a little cable <laughs> or a hard drive i guess what you just sign up for a vpn and that just would do that's it, basically right? it yes yeah. <laughs> uh, we're brought to you by nord today <laughs> for we, all of your dark web needs we gotta get on that vpn ad service thing yeah and the and playstation 5 xbox series x everybody is lining up uh, risking their lives also to get that or paying triple the price of them on ebay i have a ps5 henry has both and uh the verdict is you don't need either one of them right nope. now nah. absolutely not <laughs> but uh, I am. I'm still loving walking around uh, virtual, yeah, virtual Japan in in Yakuza uh, Seven or Like a Dragon. That's uh, it's a lot of fun. But our listeners might be wondering why are we doing a season thirty-two episode? Have we just skipped far ahead in time and just said, you know what, screw the last uh, six hundred episodes. We're just going to do every episode as they are. No, we're doing this one because a year ago, a little over a year ago, we went to the table read for this episode, which was uh, most of the actors, a lot of writers, and various other folk joining for a live reading of the script. So we want to thank uh, Mark Malkov and Nick Pruer for hooking us up because without them, we would not have gotten it. We got uh, basically uh, one seat plus two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three whole seats. It was so nice of them. Directly to... behind uh, Dan Castellaneta, I think. No, no, no. Brooks oh, and Julie Kavner. And Kavner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We were facing Dan the whole that's time. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. But we have an entire podcast about that. But because we went to the table read, we have the original table read script. And we're going to tell you throughout this podcast how this final episode differs from the script and it's pretty interesting to find out like see how jokes are changed and see why scenes are changed and so on I, I found it a very interesting like exploration of like the writing process <laughs> uh, I wish the you know the that darn world series messing yeah. with Simpsons again originally on the schedule it was basically a year to the day like because mm-hmm. the, the date on the table read is November 7th 2019 and it would have aired uh, I believe November 9th 2020 and unfortunately the it, it threw everything off the world series and so instead it it came at the end of it 
but like as a nice little treat after Thanksgiving, you know. And it was uh, a treat for all of us because this is a very atypical episode about some of our favorite characters, especially me, because I love Skinner. And I was just thinking like, this is the perfect table read for all of us. But what if you were just the casual Simpsons viewer? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, I love Homer and Marge and stuff. And you're sitting in here and you're like, who is Chalmers? Yes. Yeah. And why is Bart's no, principal is on us, the screen yeah. for like 20 minutes? I don't understand. But yeah, it was perfect for like the hardcore Simpsons nerd. Mm. And I think it was great because uh, Nina and I just watched uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Uh, oh, me right, me yeah. for the uh, like third or fourth time. Nina, I think you've seen it before. You never saw it before. I've never seen it before. No. Uh, this is definitely I, I like... I had no idea what that movie was even about. Well, yeah, when I was watching this, I was like, oh, it's kind of like uh, that kind of premise. Nina, it tells you in the title. It can't be more clear. It's about planes, <laughs> trains, and automobiles. I didn't think it would be so literal. It, it is very that literal. Surprised me. I wanted to mention that Chalmers is my favorite character. So this was perfect for both... Uh, you and I, Bob. Yes, and by the way, if you're thinking out there, our relationship is nothing like that, so no. get it out of your mind. <laughs> uh, if anything, it's me. It's the other way around. Nina! It's like a, a gay couple being asked, like, who's the Skinner and who's the Chalmers? Uh, and I lied to cover up my follies all the time to you. I, uh, well, I also embarrassingly uh, said afterwards that Chalmers was my favorite character in Hank Azaria when I was uh, just kind of starstruck at the time, but, but Nina really meant it, and I kind of I think I ruined your chance to tell, be original and say that to him when you meant it. I, I feel bad about that now. Well, then on, on my script, he wrote, Hi, Nina from Mo Hank Azaria. Me but too. But on yours, he wrote, from Chalmers. He did. Because you told him, Chalmers is your favorite uh, character. So you have stolen Chalmers' valor. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's I, my favorite. I know. He's really your favorite. You could have went I for... Still remember, I still remember when afterward I was like, I didn't know Chalmers was your favorite character. And you're like, oh, it's not. I just wanted to say something nice. I'm nice. <laughs> and I was like, what? I'm you, sorry. You could have went for a deeper cut like his most favorite character, Hollywood Dog. I should have said Hollywood Dog. <laughs> No, I, no, who told Eric. you? <laughs> uh, if I if I were to say I my actual favorite Azaria character is probably Mo, I think, yeah. or, or Wiggum, Mo or Wiggum. I think. I mean, I did say that Mo was the saddest character in Springfield, and so I feel like I have to stand by it. Mo is my favorite as well in that. And Mike Scully, you know, we've we've talked a lot about our table read, but we didn't say what was in the script because obviously we didn't want to spoil it. So that was the the cool thing that Scully told us like right beforehand when we said hello to him, and we're like, we never met him. In person before that we interviewed him like two times before he, he told us like you guys are here for a special one and yeah part of me was like scared of like oh is this uh like a a treehouse like <laughs> thing like oh it's them trying out a new format breaker or whatever we wrote this about you henry yes yeah <laughs> honestly if it had been if we'd been there like probably a week or two different, we might have gotten the podcast episode oh, yeah. and been, I think, driven crazy by like, but we're not in this. Or or after it's over, we like corner Matt Selman or Al Jean and be like, so, you know, um, we do a Simpsons podcast. And, uh, it's pretty popular, uh, yeah, sir. It's actually pretty big. <laughs> oh, I, I wasn't on the recording you guys did about the, the reading. So I just wanted to mention one thing is that it was really cool getting to meet Hank Azaria since I had a Hank Azaria fan site when I was younger. When I was like 13 years old and I followed his career uh, career very, very closely. And um, I was too shy about that to tell him. I thought maybe it'd be too creepy if like some fan told, <laughs> told him like, oh, I used to have a fan site about you. I wasn't sure if I should say that. But I did tell him that I've, I've always been a big fan of his work like beyond just his voice acting role beyond the Simpsons. Hmm. No, it was it was cool to be. I think also he signed my thing saying like, 
uh hey there hank or something like he i think he felt united in us being named henry us but us sharing in the name henry and and i mean scully told us it was a special treat that his area was there Mm -hmm. like we he's not normally there that's why scully even was like scully was busy on duncanville but he's like i'm making time to meet hank today and be there for the reading and julie kavner was there for her like 30 second scene (laughs) uh i wish my biggest regret there was i didn't really i I said hello to Hank Azaria, but at first I didn't recognize Julie, mm. and then... I don't think any of us did. It felt too late once I realized it was her. I was like, now I can't stand up and be like, hey, I was, I was like, mortified, because I really did want to tell her, like, you know, you've been my TV mom my entire life. I, you mean a lot to I me. I disown my real mother now. <laughs> uh, I No, but I mean, I do relate them and my mom, but I mean, also with her short haircut, she, the, to me, looked a little like my mom, too, but it's... I I have a lot of feelings mixed up with Julie Kavner. I felt really bad. <laughs> you should have you should have gone to her and said, "You look like my mommy." Yeah. <laughs> Mom. Uh, also, not to go on too long about the table read again. We have a podcast about it, but I want to thank uh, Mark Malkov especially uh, for driving us there yes. uh, in, in very uh, uh, harrowing traffic, and also kind of just shoving us at Matt Groening and James L. Brooks because Mark he worked for the David Letterman late night show, so I think he's more used to uh, you know being around celebrities than we are, mm, yeah. or at least like comedy celebrities. So he's just like shoving us at james l brooks so, so we got to talk to james l brooks we got pictures of matt Groening, and it was lots of fun so yeah, yeah. thanks again like oh, super super thanks to so mark Malkov. one of the most yeah. amazing moments of all of our lives he was far bolder than any of us yes, yes. Yeah. uh i was a wreck the whole time man i it also all flew by i kind of wished i'd recorded it or secretly or something well just because like i was trying to i thought i'd never forget any detail of it but as i was going back over the script while watching the app I was like, wait, who did the stage directions? I forgot in the room. Like, because normally it was Al Jean, but Al Jean was out of town. Like, we did not get to share. It was Matt Selman. He was there. uh, Yeah, Selman was there, but I thought it was a different guy reading Hmm. the the stage. It was someone else reading it. It We didn't know who they were. been Jeff Westbrook. Maybe it was Westbrook. I don't know what he looks like. Yeah. It was it was quite a day. Yeah, we've uh, pe- people have heard us ba- brag about it a lot, but Nina has not been on before. I think to to talk about it too too specifically. So I I hope that's a treat for you listeners as well. And this episode is all about uh, Ohio, and I spent uh, a little over 28 years in Ohio. I left about a month after I turned 28, so you might you might think I might have some insight on this episode, but I don't, because uh, where I grew up in Ohio is about a five-hour drive from Cincinnati. So Youngstown wow. is in the northeast corner of Ohio, and Cincinnati is in the southwest corner of Ohio, and there were like three other closer, bigger cities, like Cleveland was 90 minutes away, Pittsburgh was 60 minutes away, and Columbus was three hours away. So so my world was very, very small then, and Cincinnati might as well have been the moon. Like, I don't know what happens in Cincinnati, and it has a very different Midwestern flavor than the brown smear of the rust belt of post-industrial America that I grew up in. So I have zero insights into Cincinnati. Which Still, one? I've never been there. Sorry. Which one's closer to Pittsburgh? Oh, uh, Youngstown. Okay. Uh, right. So Youngstown uh, is on the border of Pennsylvania and Ohio, and mm. uh, uh, Pittsburgh's on the other side of the border. And like Philadelphia is like way the hell over on the other side of the state. So mm. uh, these these states might seem small, but they're not. They're very big, <laughs> especially if you uh, grow up in the Midwest and have a very small bubble you live in. Yeah. When I went to Youngstown, I remember uh, flying into Pittsburgh first. 
And I remember thinking, why do they have so many bridges? That's because they have a lot of <laughs> they rivers. Have way too many bridges. You need Lots bridges rivers, yeah. when you have rivers. Uh, it's sort of like when I moved out here uh, for about the first eight years. Whenever something happened in Southern California, my mom would call me. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, Mom, that's a six-hour drive away. <laughs> I'd be like, that's like where Washington, D.C. is compared to where you guys live. It's fine. <laughs> don't worry. I, I had a lot of fun watching this one to know it's like a, the, the Simpsons go to a specific place kind of episode. I... You know, Cincinnati doesn't get covered a lot in things. It is, it's like a big city and stuff, but uh, it hasn't really had much sitcom exposure since, I guess, uh, well, a reboot in the 1990s, perhaps. And uh, I mean, I want to know if any Cincinnatians are listening out there, but the city, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, is known best for its uh, chili, which is referenced in this episode. I mean, that's better than being known as the birthplace of uh, Charles Manson, which it is. You don't want to oh. be known for that. Oh, no, I they, didn't know that. They took that off the town sign years ago, birthplace of Charles <laughs> Manson. But yeah, Skyline Chili, I've had it, but not in Cincinnati. I had it like at a steak and shake in, uh, in my hometown. Oh. And uh, in case you don't know what it is, it's a special kind of chili made with slightly different spices and served on top of spaghetti and then like a bag of shredded cheese is just dumped on top the whole bag it looks like it's it's a lot and i mean it is decadent it is like a carb fest but i mean it's fine it's just like nourishing comfort food isn't a lot of spaghetti sauce uh spaghetti meat sauce um basically a chili anyway yeah which is why i don't i don't know why people are weirded out by this because it's just like chili is a meat sauce I guess, mm-hmm. I guess it's just the name of it to think when you think of chili you don't think spaghetti with it it feels it feels like a big uh, giant change well and then on top of that the cinnamon uh, qu- quotient of it yeah I mean you're not like sprinkling cinnamon on the chili it's just made with cinnamon mm-hmm. sort of like how curry you can make it with like cinnamon and chocolate and things mm-hmm. like that I do like that yeah that chili on spaghetti just sounds like it could be shortened to spaghetti with beans basically it's what <laughs> it is, yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. concept wise it's a really cool idea for an episode and like i i'm really glad we got that instead of uh instead of a just the family episode especially because like you know uh nancy cartwright wasn't even there so uh, we didn't get to hear real bart though tress mcneil does a good not real bart and superstar uh, celebrity impersonator kevin pollock was there yes. playing uh, skinner <laughs> and kevin michael richardson was playing uh, principal finch yes yeah which we- uh, hannibal burris would play him in the final version of the show yeah so we didn't get to share the room with hannibal burris who's a very funny comedian and king of the landlords yeah king of the land i didn't like finding that out he should not have <laughs> been uh you know telling on himself about Be that. less proud about that i'd say you know but there, there are so many episodes where the Simpsons go to wherever. Are there any other episodes where it's like about characters going to another place, but it's not the Simpsons? You know, I think at this point, it's it's there still are very few episodes that are just about not the Simpsons or you don't see the Simpsons for such a long time. And definitely, I don't think they've done. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of episodes I haven't seen, but I don't think they've done a travel episode about other characters than the Simpsons. Yeah, yeah this is a really unique concept. This might be the least amount of Homer in an episode since, like, the one Halloween segment where he wasn't in it with given a spoken line. Oh, yeah. Which was Nightmare Cafeteria, I think. Yeah, it has. It's been... Uh, it was really something to not see all the actors there and not hear them be themselves the entire time it does give it the flavor of like almost like this is a stealth pilot for a skinner and chalmers tv series i mean hey sign me up (laughs) Uh, i mean skinner and chalmers that makes more sense than wiggum and skinner in uh in the in nolens yeah you're right though that uh if any other fan went to this reading they might have been like oh man what a ripoff like we, d- we barely got to hear homer or any of the other simpson characters but we were just like oh man 
Skinner and Chalmers. <laughs> we were the happiest people in the room, I bet. It would have been great to hear Harry Shearer doing it live, but I definitely didn't expect to see Harry Shearer oh, that no, day. No. I, I would have thought he might have called it in, but I guess I think the feeling was that Skinner is the lead of the episode that Shearer can't really call in for that kind of thing. So it's it's better to have a live person in the room, though. It's not like Pollock was like called in that day by James L. Brooks, like, hey, can you come in this morning? and read for skinner uh do you think they do you think they wrote this because steam hams became such a thing i think steam hams showed them how popular these two characters were together mm. and i think uh, that did inform this i don't know if it's been said on the record but it, it can't have existed without the steam hams meme totally yeah I, but i i'm glad they other in in the script there is no steam tam reference in the episode there's a very brief one and i'm, I'm kind of glad if they uh, especially if like if oakley wasn't involved in it, it it would feel weird if they just like did a full steam tams tribute yeah didn't invite him back mm-hmm. for it i'm glad they held off on that yeah though i mean uh and, and oakley you know he was in the replies of selman about this episode and selman oh really okay like added yeah selman added him of uh they he took a screenshot of the steam tam sign in the episode and said you know tribute uh at bill and at josh about it and and bill bill replied in there uh to somebody else saying uh a nice thing about it so i i think everything's i think everything's cool there i'm also glad that the dynamic between chalmers and skinners is different in this episode from steamed hams Mm -hmm. because it would be exhausting if the entire episode was about skinner just covering up his lies yes yeah i don't think there's actually a lot of that in this episode really is there there isn't that that dynamic there's like one lie and that's it okay he's not really trying to cover it up that much either well skinner did poison someone and lie about that yeah that, that that's, is... that's, what, that's what i'm talking about yeah. but he's not like trying to cover up the entire episode or anything he just admits it without even being questioned yeah that's yeah. true yeah so i want to do a, a mini writer's corner on the writer so the director is uh, matthew nastic we've talked about him we did a director's corner about him i believe he debuted in season 10 as a full director yeah. uh the writer is uh jeff westbrook and uh he made his premiere with the season 16 episode on a clear day i can't see my sister and i will tell you one thing about him and based on that i want you to guess what show he was on before this jeff westbrook has a phd in computer science what uh, show did he write for before the simpsons so he's a futurama guy yes he is also from harvard as well so Uh, uh there you have it so yeah he joined futurama late in its fox run and basically jumped from that to the simpsons has been there ever since you basically have to have like a bachelor's at at harvard to write for futurama don't you i think so at least but yeah he was one of the uh, four phds at futurama and uh yeah 21 episodes including this one so far in like uh 15 seasons of the simpsons he's written for i saw in this ep he's up to co-executive producer so he's like though i think that i think they have a lot of co-executive producers at this point you know (laughs) which hey if that if that gets people the pay they deserve for being there that long then that's that's cool but uh well this is a selman run episode like yeah yeah and there's a great interview with him at a local cincinnati website and that is wvxu.org. Yes, that's the name of the website because it's based on a uh, radio station, Cincinnati Public Radio. And there's an entire interview with Matt Selman about this episode, why he wanted to do it, how it was sort of his baby, and uh, some of the chili-based regrets he has about this episode. I That article opens with him going like, I know you don't eat the chili in bowls. Something happened. It was a big mix-up. You know, honestly, you should eat that much chili out of a bowl. The plate is just going to slip and slide all over with that wet spaghetti. 
I I wonder if the Cincy people take some pride in like, yeah, it it takes finesse to eat that spaghetti on a plate with all that junk over it, and we and we take pride in being able to do that. And you also don't eat it like pasta; you cut into it like it's a pie, just what? like cutting in like big chunks of pasta in, in chili. Man, yeah. Boy. All right, well, good. Then when I have a layover in Cincinnati and eat that chili, I will. Uh, I won't embarrass myself by trying to eat it pasta style. I want to mention, uh, recently I've been going through all the Simpsons episodes I've never seen before. So I, I just seen uh, On a Clear Day, I Can't See My Sister. And that's another episode about one character not being able to stand another. and Because uh, that's one about Lisa putting a restraining order on Bart. That's right. It does follow the kind of feel of planes, trains, and automobiles, for mm-hmm. sure. Like he's the, Skinner is this, you know, needy guy, just like Dell, the John Candy's character. But Dell also has all of these like life hacks in yes. travel knowledge yeah he's uh, he's better than this uh lame one at least at least there's no um you know gay panic gags in this one for no actually i guess him touching his genitals briefly is sort of a gay panic gag I suppose. he doesn't really panic though he's just kind of ashamed yeah he's just tired they're both just well like chalmers is just tired of it he's like yes and it made me realize yeah they do both wear blue suit jackets yeah interesting <laughs> someone looked at them and thought that's a plot twist we could do yeah but uh skinner's suit jacket is usually um a a very different color from chalmers it's true it's more of a like a turquoise it's a lot bluer in this episode i have not seen a lot of the 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 more recent episodes so i'm not sure if they change the color subtly over the years or if they change it for this episode specifically Hmm. oh on uh on twitter selman copped to they had to re so when the jacket mix-up happens they are colored the same blue but they had to change skinner's blue for that scene so if you look at skinner's suit for most of the episode it's what at least looks like the standard skinner color but for that scene it's the same color blue as chalmers and then when they meet up at the end of the episode uh, on stage their blues are back to being the alternate colors so they're like i i definitely noticed that and thought that was a huge cheat but i'm just i'm just saying like uh his color the color of his uh seymour suit to begin with is um slightly different from what it used to be in like the older episodes so, yeah. so i don't know if that's a recent change or if they change it just for this episode in to, uh to prepare for the scene in the principal in the popper it's described as an aqua suit and a lavender shirt no, yeah. when he's yeah, uh it's definitely a turquoise yeah, yeah. Their, their suit colors are very different if you look at like even steamed hams, you can I'm, tell. I'm going to need some hex values on this podcast, so we're shutting it down. <laughs> I need Pantones. Give me Pantones. In the uh, in the classic pathetic meme of Skinner, it's like a purple suit for that one. Like that's how deep the colors. Uh, but that's in the classic Chupo days. The colors were uh, much uh, in the first season, especially the colors are a lot wilder. Like that's the era of purple trees, which the show certainly doesn't do now. Oh, I miss the purple trees. The Simpsons will be right back. Fuck Sunday. The Simpsons give the gift everyone wants. We're going to see improv Shakespeare. See it first, Sunday on Fox.
Welcome to the break, everybody, and I'm living on the air on this podcast. And a big thank you to our guest this week, Nina Matsumoto, our good buddy who went with us to the very Simpsons table read that this episode is based on. I hope you guys enjoy this little break from format this week. We really had a great time reading through our table read script version and going over what was different and what was the same in this really good recent episode of The Simpsons. And if you enjoyed this podcast, podcast and want to hear so much more and also support me and bob doing this is our full-time jobs you should be supporting us at patreon.com slash talking simpsons subscribers to the patreon which is so easy to sign up for by the way get to hear every episode of talking simpsons a week at a time and ad free you get here next week's mad 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 march right now and the same goes for our sister podcast what a cartoon where we cover an animated series in the same talking simpsons style hear both of those a week at a time and ad free Plus, you get a huge back catalog of Patreon-exclusive podcasts, these miniseries where we cover shows like currently Futurama in the same way we cover The Simpsons. You can be hearing us talk about the second half of the second season of Futurama right now, every Friday with a brand new episode you can only hear if you're a Patreon subscriber. You can hear the entire back catalog for shows like King of the Hill, The Critic, and Mission Hill. So many great ones. Please sign up today at patreon.com slash talking simpsons to hear it all. But if you want the five-way chili equivalent of a podcast, you should sign up at the $10 level. All of that $5 stuff I just talked about at patreon.com slash talking simpsons is yours. But that $10 gets you also each month our What a Cartoon movie podcast. Me and Bob do an extra long, often over four hour long podcast each month where we cover an animated feature film in the same Talking Simpsons style. Last month, we covered the stop motion classic Walls and Grummet, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. At the end of this month is the anime classic, The End of Evangelion. And we have a ton more in the back catalog, over two years worth, over 120 hours of them. You're going to want to hear all of them, and you can get that huge back catalog and a new one each month if you're a $10 subscriber who gets all that previously mentioned $5 stuff to boot. Please sign up today, 10 bucks a month. It's really worth your time at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Uh, yeah, I also saw in, in Selman in one interview about the development of it, he said like their early stuff was that it would be a kidnapping mystery set in Cincinnati hmm. and that Chalmers, he says, I think at one point it ended with Chalmers being almost fatally lowered into an industrial vat of chili as the climax of the show. <laughs> of course it's chili. Again, I want to know people from Cincinnati out there, are you sick of the chili stuff? Because that's <laughs> all your town is known for to most people. It's all we know about. <laughs> and I guess the Reds. I know the Reds. I mean, I when I think Cincinnati, because I, as a kid, for the brief time I was into baseball, watched a Pete Rose tells you how to play baseball video. And uh, that was that is what I always think of with Cincinnati. I think Pete Rose and the Reds. Uh, but I guess, uh, well, why don't we start with the episode then uh, with the principals having fun. Next item on the agenda, Principal Duggan. Well, I see that not one of your students was able to meet the national fitness standards. A light jog. 
Hmm. Come on, Duggins. You got to be a role model for those lazy kids. Tell them you put in two hours a day stretching. Your lap band. Thank you, Principal Finch. Well, I guess we can cross hilarious joke off the agenda. Oh, I, I've also got a funny thing. <laughs> Duggan's wife was unfaithful. <laughs> Skinner! Learn how to read a room. Sorry, Duggins. Screw you! I will say in the room, I thought Kevin Michael Richardson did a really good job as as Doug uh, as as Finch. Yeah. I like him a lot. Uh, uh, all the fun eating noises he made. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so this is one of several times we'll say in the scripts. Mm. Uh, but a good punch up on this joke because the original joke is just saying, you know, tell him how you ate through your lap band, mm-hmm. which is just like a direct insult. Not <laughs> even like a clever anything clever about that at all. I like the act out of the chomping down on stuff. I think, and Burris is good at it too. Like he's uh, uh he's a funny actor but i i uh, i will say in the room i actually thought finch might be a recurring character like this wasn't me his too debut. i was like oh i guess kevin just plays finch all the time and this is the new skinner rifle but uh, he was an invention for this episode i believe and uh and i saw selman said that finch is named after david brent's rival finch oh, from really? the uk office that's the only other finch i know of in fiction so i was thinking <laughs> of him and I, I didn't know the connection though this finch is much more likable than finchy from uh, the uk office Finch is the villain of the show. Yeah, he's the actual like worst person. He's the the only way you could like David Brent is if you saw a (laughs) friend of his who's ten times worse than he. That's a good point. Uh, Sorry, I've only seen the U.S. Office. Um, Who is the U.S. Office equivalent of Finch? Oh, David Koechner's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Todd Packer. Okay, that's it. I I hate that character so much on the U.S. Office that I completely erased his name from my head. I think he didn't come back. Finchie came back more on the U.K. Office than that guy did on U.S. Office, right? Oh, yeah. Todd Packer didn't come, come back very often. That's true. Well, he's there, just a bummer character. There are like, what, 12 episodes of the original Office, so he's on like three of them, which yes. is 25%. <laughs> the description of National Administrators Convention, and then it's paired down to EduCon. It's like, wait, wait, why is yeah. it called that? How is that the shortening of it? Uh, or EduCon? That doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Chalmers reveals that he has been invited to give the keynote speech in the Procter and Gamble room. Yeah, added to the uh, episode. I like the added boring humor. Yeah, that's it's funny, and it's a joke about I guess proctoring being a thing for teaching, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's a teaching thing, and uh, that's that's better than in the in the script. It's like the last person who gave that speech become America's Superintendent General. <laughs> <laughs> I also also I think it's more like at these uh, at these convention centers, like rooms are named after corporations who like you know paid to sponsor the building of the uh, center. So yes, it's like oh, yeah. we're in the uh, the RB suites or whatever yes, that's right have you guys ever met your superintendent at your school mm, yes i don't think i've ever met one. Oh, really and it really was like a chalmers style situation in which he was brought around to the classes and i remember horrifying him by telling him how much tv i watched in a day because he was asking like kids how much tv do you watch in a day and i was like it was bart's like seven hours eight if there's anything good on uh, i wasn't quoting him but i think i was just like yeah eight or nine hours a day <laughs> so you were kind of like the the ralph in that situation basically That's uh he didn't know that'd be my future career so screw him <laughs> yeah you taught that superintendent he's probably dead now oh he's got to be yeah. <laughs> uh no i never met my superintendent i think you'd hear about him like as as the scarier the guy above your principal but i i never got to meet him he's allowed to assassinate one child a year <laughs> you know i'm not exactly even sure what a superintendent does exactly i i just assume it's a layer of management above principal he's the final like, boss of school <laughs> <laughs> 
Chalmers reveals he's going, and Skinner is hopeful, uh, needlessly so, in this next clip. Well, as you all know, the budget allows for a plus one. And I was thinking I would bring the principal with the highest test scores, Finch. Well, that's not fair. Finch runs the magnet school for gifted test takers. Uh, sorry, Seymour, but I have made my decision. If it makes you feel any better, you were never in the running. Hmm. Hey, we are going to light Cincinnati up. I got a buddy who used to be the long stopper for the Bengals. He co-owns this amazing poke place. Seaweed, furukake, soaking in ponzu. My God, you're cool. <laughs> a lot of ponzu sauce is is i does it taste good when it's soaking in it i don't know uh poke is usually like a, a moist meal i guess a so, wet yeah. meal <laughs> i miss poke uh, so in the script i will say uh in the script i don't know if i like it more or not uh but it's implied that chalmers has already chosen finch and he's not talking about the plus one but as this meeting is going on skinner is paging through like a manual looking up the fact that chalmers has to bring a plus one so skinner is the one who brings it up in the table read script and in the final version chalmers announces that finch is coming with him because he's got the highest test scores uh you know i think i might like that the the script version a little better because it's like skinner already being annoying and needy of him realizing like hey wait i could come with you and he's like i i already made the decision yeah, he's skinner. just finding opportunity to like suck up to his boss yeah uh but i do like the unfairness of him having the highest test scores because he has a magnet school of high test scores <laughs> yeah takers uh, uh finch's line here is also very different from the script that's like the first major change i noticed oh yeah he describes they're gonna do a hookah bar crawl and a silent disco yeah and then midnight poke yeah but they yeah. put more emphasis on the poke this time he's like just a poke monster this whole episode poke yeah. monster come on what are we saying here <laughs> i you know i was thinking with finch what's interesting with him he, he kind of reminds me of you know like in lard of the dance or summer of four foot two when the characters meet a then current person it's like it's one of those marking time type episodes mm. where like lard of the dance was lisa hangs out with a millennial child who's different than a 1990 child and here we have you know skinner and chalmers virtually stuck in the same type of way they've been written since the is for 27 years in chalmers's case and then here they have this very 2019 person in finch just being like the coolest dude in modern cool ways but his cool stuff is just like barely cool like he knows mm. about poke which is <laughs> like enchanting and exciting to characters created in 1989 yes yeah well i was wondering is poke like the new sushi i think so i think it's it's much cooler than sushi has been around so long it's boring she's I mean, old school now i mean yeah. every restaurant is now closed and oh, uh won't yeah. be around anymore <laughs> except for all the big chains but uh when the world was normal like every restaurant turned into a poke place around here like mm -hmm. everything it was it was sushi burritos was the first trend and now it's poke and now like i said uh, every restaurant is closing because no one can go to them <sighs> mm. i do love poke it's great it's mm -hmm. great bob. it's basically like a disassembled sushi <laughs> uh bob i think was the finch in my life turning me on to poke okay. i i had my first poke at bob suggestion it's hard to screw up too i had good pokey at disneyland <laughs> i, I want to know what a silent disco is is that a real thing oh i did i looked this up it is a real thing what is that uh so it's a rave except everybody has on headphones and you're hearing the music in your ears <laughs> but it's not blaring anywhere so uh to an outside
cider without the being able to tune into the music they're just seeing people dance silently but in your ears you're getting to hear the cool disco music that everybody else mm. is so oh my god it, what is the point of that though i i mean to be different in a like a unique <laughs> way to party i guess i i don't know i want to see it selling disco now that must look ridiculous if you're just watching it with no uh earphones on i guess those have gone away too at this point i'm sure there are still hookah bars around but that that strikes me as an old fad because i remember going to them during like the george w bush administration oh yeah they're like hey i'm smoking something i'm cool but actually i kind of feel sick <laughs> uh i did one hookah bar once with friends and i was like yeah this is it felt like a thing that just like stoners did to be like well this isn't really smoking weed but i do that too <laughs> If there were any of those around still, uh, I'm sure the pandemic killed those. Oh, yeah. Pa sure. Pass that mouthpiece around. Yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's all see the vapor. Yeah, sucking in people's vapors. <laughs> well, I'm honestly, watching this episode had like 18 times where I just thought like, well, that's not a 2020 thing. That's not a 2020 thing. Like, all these... <laughs> like travel? <laughs> yes, like travel, like <laughs> sitting in a restaurant, like uh, all those, all that, that stuff. I, a convention? <laughs> yes, a convention. Having a convention. <laughs> Then the next scene begins a detention, which, you know, honestly, if I if I could do a rewrite on this, I wish this was Milhouse or Nelson talking to Skinner. And that way there was no Simpson the entire episode. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Henry. And in the script, there is more Bart to be found in like right. fantasy sequences. But I feel like they thought they still needed some tie to the core characters. But I would have liked to see a clean like no Simpson script. Mm -hmm. Maybe that one scene at the end could have been it just as a yeah. gag. No, that it's funnier when at the very very end you find out what the family's been up to yeah yeah if you didn't see bart if you by seeing bart it lessens the funny impact of a final scene that's like hey the simpsons are finally in the show called the simpsons well not only do you see bart you see lisa too oh yeah that's right right yeah. with the double dutchers mm -hmm. which uh you know rare rare that sherry and terry are nice enough to lisa to let her play in those games you know <laughs> there's only so many girls at springfield elementary <laughs> with voices yeah yeah <laughs> once you've got sherry terry and uh, janie there's there there's nowhere to go uh, after that i guess uh, you could pull sarah out of, oh no not sarah the uh allison taylor allison taylor yeah she's talked with a different voice before yeah you know it feels so weird uh walking by a school now when the kids are out for recess or lunch or whatever and they're like all kind of like uh wearing masks and some are some actually no some are wearing masks some aren't which <laughs> i'm not sure how effective that is and uh i think they try their best to play um games that require social distancing like mm. passing a ball to each other <laughs> perhaps uh, you could bounce it yeah and all you <laughs> yeah. can hear all you can hear is ring around the rosy. Uh, it, meanwhile double touching is a decent uh social distancing i guess yeah. unless you're in the middle if the jump rope's long else. enough yeah <laughs> i do like the change line in the scene because uh, the double dutchers are making fun of uh seymour and in the uh, the script uh he says they could jump to the late bus and that verse would still undercount my tears and uh in the final version of the show he's like as usual, the double dutchers have zeroed in on my pain. So I like that the double dutchers are always outside of his window mocking him. He's it's, it's a normal thing. Kid, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, in general, I this script, I feel like, is 85% what's on TV. It is not the heavily... I mean, maybe the rewrites came before Table Read, and it's, like, rarer to do the re, a big rewrite after Table Read. But I guess when I was in that room, I expected more changes in the final aired version, I suppose, just from all the stories you hear about, like, oh, we changed that, we change this the biggest changes are things that are just removed like scenes that are just cut out or the ends of scenes are cut out yeah they cut in a different place well maybe it's because the reception was so good 
in the room. Like, people were laughing at everything. It was because of us that yeah. they didn't change the script. Like, well, these three nerds seem to like it. And one child really seems to like Chalmers. Uh, if uh, I sometimes worried I was laughing too hard in the room, but I... You were laughing it up. I, but I was... I It was legitimate. I was... And yeah. I, I Henry, won. you won the laugh off. I wanted Your trophy is here. <laughs> at last. The laugh meter was off the charts, thanks to you. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, there's, uh, there's also fun dancing of Finch joining in with the girls as well and uh, good good animation on his dancing i like that uh but yes bart uh is really feeling pity for skinner as he fails once more with uh with a high five and he gives him some tough love in this next clip we'll see more are you ready for some tough love is there any other kind being around you sucks no one's ever gonna invite you to anything if there's a party you want to go to you gotta crash it or you'll spend the rest of your life sitting around with your hands stuck in a pelvis Mm. it's too late plus one has been invoked dude you're seymour skinner no matter how badly you're treated you keep coming back for more that's your superpower use it you're right i will Mm -hmm. Whoa, look at you grazing the thumb. (laughs) I'm really glad he didn't hit parts but growing. That That, would be a very different joke there. Good choice. Yeah, he was practicing on the skeleton, uh, the high five. But I also found in general the script is a lot meaner to Skinner and the final show is nicer because in this script before he says, you're Seymour Skinner. You know, your your superpower is, you know, to bounce back from things. Before that in the script, he says, you know, your mother hates you. uh, Everybody hates you. You suck to be around. Like a lot of of complaints up front for uh, Seymour. You're right. Yeah, this is a bit, the script is a little bit meaner to Seymour. They, they let him have much more uh, more wins in this i think it seems like bart actually is rooting for skinner instead of instead of just being mean to him also the way the scene ends is um there's a little thing at the end in the script where nelson opens a ceiling panel and lowers a rope for bart and then bart <laughs> escapes through that what is that like is he just escaping from, de- from detention that's what i, I read I think it it's as. yeah just the tension escape yeah but isn't skinner leaving the room anyway that i uh, yeah maybe that's then a good cut because you just wonder like why is bart need to escape skinner just left like it yeah <laughs> it does it would work as a good joke that like bart only said that to get skinner out of the room so he could le- run away from detention and he didn't mean any of the nice things he said hmm. yeah in that way that makes it less mean to skinner as well and uh, I also love that Skinner knows no love but tough love. He's just, he's had a hard life. <laughs> uh, and and yeah, I mean, uh, definitely I, I love a Bart Skinner friendship kind of scene. Like that also goes back to uh, one of Bill and Josh's best episodes of the show. So. Yeah, yeah, they definitely define the character with that season five episode. And uh, they're drawing upon all of our feelings from that, really. <laughs> Yeah, the I mean, especially in this episode, the the strict di- uh, no nonsense disciplinarian that Dave Merkin really enjoyed writing, like that guy is just long gone. It's it's just a pitiful, sexless man is is <laughs> what he is. And I I guess in these I will say in these classroom scenes, it is where I feel really bad that Krabappel's gone. I yeah. don't I. It does feel wrong to say recast, but the show really needs Miss uh, Edna Krabappel on the show again. Well, Bart like, does have a new teacher, but I forget who it is. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's always, I, I don't know. The, the Eventually, I get the Phil Hartman stuff, but Edna is such a big character. It, I feel like it's insulting but i feel like you got to recast at Mm. some point uh so that scene ends we get to the next day where chalmers is waiting to be picked up by his buddy finch uh but things aren't looking good for old finchy 
Finch, where are you? We're going to miss our flight. Can't make it, Gary. I ate some pre-trip poke last night and it's blitzkrieg in my intestines. I'm firing salmon eggs from both ends. But you're my ride to the airport. My car's in the shop being winterized. Sorry, dude. Yeah, cool. Hop <laughs> in, sir. We still have time to make our flight. Skinner, what are you doing here? Well, I saw in Finch's Insta-Snap story that he's firing salmon eggs from both ends. So I rushed over here at once. You want to come with me to Cincinnati? No, thank you. Very thoughtful, Seymour, but I, I wouldn't want to... You wouldn't want the school board to find out you wasted the transferable but not refundable $65 plus one registration fee? <sighs> no, I would not. I like it. Skinner wins already thanks to his knowledge of uh, bureaucracy. Like, <laughs> How do both of you feel about uh, now his name is Gary and it's been Gary for a long time? Eh, I just accept it. I don't. It doesn't bother me as much as say Jeff Anderson. Mm. That that uh, that bugs me more. <laughs> I, I think I mean they just revealed his name as a joke. Like, yeah, didn't you know his name is Gary? But I feel like Superintendent Chalmers is a mouthful. Mm -hmm. And if you want to have a lot of dialogue with him or to talk to his character, it's hard to just cram that in and make yeah. it sound natural. I think Gary is a perfect name for him. I think it works really well. I don't know why. It it's, just sounds right. With it's, Chalmers. A, it's a lame white guy name like Bob. <laughs> oh, what, Bob Chalmers? Bob Chalmers. How would you feel about that? You know, that could work too. <laughs> I kind of like how their dynamic is a bit reversed in this moment. Um uh, because Chalmers yeah. is kind of trying to cover up and talk his way out of something, and Skinner uh, pulls him into it. You're right. I didn't even read it as that. That is such a... Skinner's actually is calling him on his BS in that moment. It's because Chalmers is... Uh, we don't find out until later, but he's trying to cover up the fact, or trying to hide the fact that he intends to fire Skinner. They this both is... have a lie they're trying to cover up. I, I really enjoy how everyone is having their car winterized or just had their car winterized. <laughs> when I owned a car, I never lived anywhere where anything had to be changed. In Florida, your car is your car all the time like there might be like in in jacksonville florida there may be occasional like flash freezes and you're like ah man my car's iced over briefly but in a way it's more of like a uh, a fun side quest you're like oh man a, an iced over windshield this is how it is for people in other parts of america all <laughs> oh, the time i love warming up my car for 20 minutes in the morning before leaving lots of fun <laughs> it snowed a bunch in ohio uh, parts of ohio recently really oh in the yeah, early already. early winter man that's that's how it should be <laughs> That's how but, it was when I was I growing up. I don't know about up. like Cincinnati area, but this is more like the Cleveland area. Yeah, that's about where uh, near, near where I grew up. I don't know if that tends to be like colder than the other part of Ohio. It's, or it's what. not that much further to the south. Okay. And this has I been Talking love... Simpsons Weather Corner. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the line firing salmon eggs from both ends. It's such a like graphic image. I remember getting a huge laugh at, at the table read as well. <laughs> yeah. And I just think of him being like a Contra boss. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, hearing, hearing Skinner say it again, and also the way Skinner says it, you know that he already heard Finch say that exact phrase on a separate Insta-Snap story, in addition to him just repeating it to Chalmers again. Seymour would not be that filthy on his own. He's just quoting Finch. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I like the idea of him, like broadcasting that to the entire world through insta-snap yes to all his friends they need to know how sick he is like i and i love how finch in a very just like rude hang-up way but a uh, very modern way of like okay cool and then just stop like just cool like <laughs> uh, i guess it calls over now we see him uh returning to the poke at the end of the episode so i don't think it really affected him too badly it didn't turn him off poke this bad experience at all i would think if i was shooting salmon eggs out of both ends i would not i wouldn't i'd take a break on poke for a few days at least oh but salmon eggs are so good though 
I love I, it. I will say I never I at sushi places uh before i went to japan i always thought the salmon eggs were like they were gross i never wanted to try them and then when i had you know a uh chef's choice uh sushi played at a place in japan i had these salmon eggs and i was like well i got i gotta just go with it and that's when i finally had it. i was like whoa that is really tasty like i i yeah. really did like it they're nature's flavor balls but uh, also the the phrase transferable but not refundable in uh is is pretty fun it's a good skinnery phrase and and that was in the script too i almost thought like oh that sounds like a rewrite but no it's right there in the script it just shows how low the stakes are yes yeah 65 dollars will be lost if they don't do this uh, so then they get in an airplane, which was also fun to do on that day because, you know, we were flying, uh, we had just flown and we were going to be flying back that, yeah. uh, within like six hours, I think, of when we were there. And that was the shortest flight I've ever taken in my life. <laughs> it was yeah. amazing. It's so fun to just go like SF to LA and the, in the, in the before times when you could just do that, like, uh, yeah, I think, I think a couple times in the, in the games press, I would do the, uh, like two flights in the same day. Like, yeah, I woke up in San Francisco. I flew to Los Angeles and then I would come back home that night and still sleep in, in San Francisco. It's almost like there should be a train between yeah. the cities. Well, That'd be uh, pretty cool. Well, who's paying for that, Bob? Uh, we, you can only hope that Elon Musk finally builds that train. He'll build a train that moves one person yeah. every hour, but they'll be <laughs> safe from homeless people. That's the important thing. Bob, you're going to be flying to see me soon. You're looking forward to it? It's Yes, I am. I, I'm looking, I, I totally miss all of the inconveniences of flying. And I do miss the uh, the feeling of just immediate comfort once you get through security. You're like, all my problems are gone now. <laughs> I don't have to do anything anymore. Yeah, I think next time I fly, whenever that'll be, um, I would also enjoy all the little stresses and inconveniences. I'll be <laughs> like, oh, I miss it so much. Yes, please be rude to me. Please tell me I didn't put the things in the right containers. Oh, <laughs> I take off my shoes this time? Okay. The rules change every time and I love it. It's a fun surprise. <laughs> you need that like uh, school kit that Lisa has. When oh the, yes. The school went on strike. <laughs> oh yes. Is that gum? Is that gum? Is that eight ounces? Is that eight ounces? <laughs> sir, what is this device? <laughs> That's a switch, sir. Uh, having to explain all your devices to people are like, is is this iPad counting as a laptop now, or is it not? Which which is this? It's all it's all why, mind games. Why does your fiance live in Canada? Oh. Uh, <laughs> explain uh, yourself. Whenever they ask me that, I say I ask myself that question every night. <laughs> Uh, the the Canadian fiance for me is having to explain my CPAP machine. Mm. Just like, nah, do uh, must I take it out? Come on, we know what this How is. Haven't they seen a billion of those by now? You would think so, yeah. But and yet, I feel I feel like it's it's every fifth time I'm I'm told to take it out. Just keeping you on your toes because what if you put a bomb in it one of those times? Yeah. <laughs> uh, God, uh, hey, the CPAP I, bomber. <laughs> I also I love the description of uh, the 2018 movie Game Night is like it was made for the low res seatback screen. <laughs> I love that. quite quite a diss on Game Night, but yeah. uh, I like that Jason Bateman is in this episode. He wasn't in the script. Yeah. Yeah, well, this I guess is this the biggest cut of the script to this bit here. I think there's a there's a bigger scene cut out later, but this is a pretty big cut because in this original version in the script, uh, there's a there's a safety video on the plane hosted by a Buzz Lightyear uh, style figure named uh, sorry Fuzz Parsec. Yeah, who describes I love his thing of like 
to Cincinnati and nowhere else, or no more. That's, I think, what it is. And I like Skinner's comment about this. He says, teaching with humor. I've often thought how badly that would go in our schools. <laughs> That's a good line. I, 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 We were robbed of the new character Fuzz Parsec, unfortunately. Yeah, I wanted to see what that character would look like, like was, how far they would go with that design. I was trying to imagine what the designers would do with that there. Instead, we just got, like, extra game night jokes, which is a film, like, I love how forget what a randomly specific forgettable film that would be like uh at least in a 2019 air uh flight you'd be like game night i, I guess i heard some about that sure it does right. feel like Wait, every is that a real movie it yes. is yeah uh, it does feel like oh every jason bateman movie is made for an airplane yes yeah, yeah well that just goes to show how much impact it had <laughs> if i had no idea it was a real thing i thought it was just a funny movie they made up they they even got the poster kind of similar it's him him and rachel mcadams he has a gun and there's a dog too it's about it's about an adult game night gone wrong with uh with kid with a fake kidnapping and i all i know is that like i read a i, I read a wikipedia plot synopsis i have not seen this movie but okay i'm looking at the the poster now and it looks like a fake movie it does right yeah, yeah. uh well now these movies are just netflix films at this point they just they they only go on the streaming they're not going to be in theaters anymore but uh yeah i kind of wish fuzz parsec was there i think it was uh what was dan was fuzz parsec i think it was. i think like yeah he was doing a uh i think a higher pitched voice no no he was doing a buzz lightyear voice that's yeah, right yeah yeah <laughs> We then find out that Chalmers uh, is, is similar to Marge, has a fear of flying. Where'd you put my carry-on? I'm going to pop an anti-anxiety pill. Oh, I gate-checked your bag. It's free and you don't have to fight for precious overhead space. Another classic Skinner travel hack. My pills were in that bag, you idiot! You Okay, okay. <laughs> I can do this. Ooh, it's just a short domestic flight. I'm completely safe, right? Sure. And if you're stressed, you can take comfort in the passenger's many emotional support animals. Uh, uh, pig! Uh, I'm going to die in a flying zoo! <laughs> Everyone around you is taking their shoes off. Okay, no one is safe. No one's safe. That, that phone is not an airplane mode. The pilot dresses like an alcoholic. Somebody's yelling. Who is yelling? Where in the name of God is the air marshal? <laughs> He's bagged by the TSA threat sack. <laughs> That's a funny thing. I love that threat sack. <laughs> uh, is, is Chalmers going to like pop a Xanax or something? I wonder I if think he's so, yeah. If Chalmers secretly has a pill problem in here. He's I, a pill, and a pill popper. Maybe got it from that guy. I think half of America is Zanned out. Sure, yeah. Well, it's like we, mommy's we all, little helper. We all need it now. I mean. <laughs> I never do carry on luggage anymore. There's never any space. It just makes everyone annoyed at you. Mm. We're going up and down looking for a space. I just like check everything. I don't want to turn this into Bob's travel complaint hour, but uh, I, I will say I, I can't stand the people, and I know flying is expensive, but the people who can barely lift their luggage and it's also too big trying to cram it in uh, above my head because I'm always in an aisle seat by my choice, and there are always like 85-year-old men trying to bench press their luggage and just try to get it up in there, and just yes. I'm, I'm seconds away from being uh, my spine shattering when that thing falls on my head. So uh, Yeah, no, look, I, I don't like the people who have a gigantic bag i will say the previously mentioned cpap machine 
that is a thing like i can't sleep without it so if if i don't care about i don't worry too much about luggage getting lost except for that i don't want to lose that and so i do do carry on stuff but i always have it in like i either have a tote bag that slides can easily slide yeah. in between everybody's gigantic plastic rectangles that cannot move or i have a backpack like one of those two so i at least try to have an easy thing i don't mind carry on but you should be able to lift it and also yes. not hit me in the head with it yes yeah i want everybody just gets so tense about it and when uh, but i love that skinner not only likes to check his bag but gate checking like he's such a lame-o that Taps he loves nose, yeah. yeah he thinks it's so great to gate check a bag which is what everyone everybody. else hates doing yeah <laughs> every i mean i've seen people feel like defeated and impotent giving up their bags at the gate check they're like no i got it this far please don't take my bag <laughs> i would be annoyed having to like haul my luggage throughout the entire airport and then having to check it once you got to the air uh, actual airplane it's like well why did i haul it around for then but you I know from the beginning skinner's right though it is free so it's true <laughs> yeah and it always happens someone always has to do it there's never any space because everyone tries to check, uh, bring their luggage onto the plane with them. Uh, oh, these airplanes are not equipped for these newer bags. Build new ones. Yeah. <laughs> Build oh. new planes. Bob, the, the air, there aren't going to be airplanes anymore. Oh, soon. true. No, uh, not with all the musk tunnels running around the country. Uh, well, and speaking of things that don't happen anymore... In 2019, emotional support animal, like, tweets and viral stories, they were all over the news of, like, that you, an emotional support animal was a, as a joke, or not joke, but, like, people do really need them, and it's not, like, snowflake culture or whatever. Uh, but there were, there were people sharing things of, like, I've heard of a dog, but a pig, or whatever, a peacock, a peacock, I think, was the big, the craziest yeah. one people shared. That was my, that's my favorite one. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, hey, I want to feel comfortable comforted by a dog on a plane or a peacock if that a peacock takes up so much space though that's no true. they can Tail? fold their, they can fold their tails in <laughs> how much though it's really long just bring a rubber band it's fine <laughs> a scrunchie for your peacock yeah <laughs> just tying uh, it up well here's some breaking news guys though i like at the time of this recording yesterday oh it was announced that government uh, american government rulings are from now on, on airplanes, only dogs can be classified as an emotional support animal. Nothing else it can count huh. as that. Uh, it goes into effect in 30 days. So at the start of 2021, as, as far as emotional support animals go, only dogs are allowed there. So You think yeah. they'd be having less rules on planes now just to encourage people to fly? <laughs> like, you know what? Find a stray dog on your way to the airport. Bring it on the plane. We're going to have fun. Uh, well, half price for that dog seat. <laughs> Well, Bob, you can't put Louie on your lap anymore, then. He uh, never goes on my lap. Not <laughs> since the accident. <laughs> and that was, you can really tell it in hearing it isolated as sound, but Julie Kavner voicing the turkey is very funny. Yeah. I, I love that. And that's what her credit I, goes over. I didn't over. know that until yeah. I read I didn't know that until I read the article. Yeah, that's what her credit goes over at the end of the episode. Yeah. The turkey. <laughs> I don't believe the turkey made a noise at the at the table read, though. I, I delight in seeing. So uh, when I walk over to Henry's, I always choose the path where I see wild turkeys, and they're adorable, and I love them. And I, I try to see them every day whenever I come to record. So <laughs> shout like out to turkeys. Pictures of them. They're, yeah. they're so <laughs> cute. Uh, they are cute, but they also look scary. With the the male ones, have these really huge uh spurs, like spurs. <laughs> and they have a <laughs> turkey cord hanging out of their chest 
You want to pull that cord. That's how you flip them. <laughs> uh, there was a really funny day where I had missed Bob at the doorbell a couple times to let him in. And uh, Nina let me know, like, uh, we were chatting in DMs about something. And Nina's like, now let Bob in. He's cold and there are turkeys after him. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They've never tried to attack me. I keep my distance and I admire their plumage. Oh, yeah. Also in the script, there's a little bit where Skinner tries to, like, massage uh, his earlobes, which he says he does to mother. There's more creepy mom stuff in there, which I think they they probably made a good choice to tone that down for this episode because you can do weird mom stuff if Skinner's, like, just a one-off joke. But if he's got to be a full human for the episode, you can't get too weird. You want to soften it. You don't want to turn into an ear mother ear massager. (laughs) Overall, Uh, they cut out a lot of... Uh, stuff from the airplane scene probably because they just wanted to get on with the actual road trip but how do you guys feel about the shoe taking off on a plane i i won't lie i i've done it on occasion usually on a long flight but Mm. i i regret it now i don't think i'd do it uh in in, if i'm ever in an airplane again i don't think i'll do it unless you have some sort of medical uh thing you need to take your shoes off for i don't quite get it i don't feel that much more comfortable when my uh my socks are out well then you have Uh, to put your socks shoes back on and it feels even worse i think i do it every time wow sick freak (laughs) i yes but i mean on planes i don't like when there are bare feet next to me of a person i don't know sure sure what do you have against feet come on Uh oh also uh after they get kicked out the in the script it was an emotional support marshal that was uh, oh you're right out so at, uh, but yes, they've, they're running out of options and, uh, oh yeah, I guess actually this is where there's another big cut, isn't there? Like a whole scene is gone. So once they get off the plane, there's a, be- a scene between Skinner and Chalmers and Chalmers is like, maybe I'll just go to Cincinnati on my own. And in the script, uh, the control tower, which is very conspicuously behind Chalmers in that scene, like very, for whatever reason... In the script, uh, it turns into Bart. And Bart's yeah. like, you heard him? He say, maybe. That doesn't mean no. Wear him down. Yeah. <laughs> so in the final version, there's like a very distracting air control tower in the background. So I think they just cut the scene off. I think it I was think animated. It was, I think you're right. I think it was animated. Yeah. And instead of, uh, you know, the scene where Chalmers sees the line at the rental car place and it's full of people and the support animals, he actually goes into there. He finds out his credit card is maxed out. He doesn't know how. It was for airbrushing, an airbrushing kiosk. And then we cut back to his house and his daughter, uh, Shauna, which is apparently Jimbo's girlfriend, is getting like a, a, a Frank Frazetta style mural of Jimbo painted on the side of the house. <laughs> uh, that would have been a funny gag, too. I, I hope no animators had to, you know, fully design this Frank Frazetta. Like, because to imitate Frank Frazetta is a difficult uh, piece of art. Like, it's not it's no easy task to do that. You no, know, I like the character of Shauna. I'm not sure how you guys feel about her, but um, there's been always been so many like rebellious, uh, shoddy boy characters. It's cool to see like a, a rebellious uh, teenage girl character in the show. I haven't seen enough of her, but this is the first time I've learned that she is related to Chalmers. <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember, like, when that comes up exactly. I like, uh, yeah, I was introduced to her a few years ago from watching the Halloween of Horror episode, and she appeared. Me too. Yeah, and I was like, wait, what? Who's that with Jimbo? Again, I uh, <laughs> I am not kept up with the current lore as much on Simpsons, but I'm learning, and I, yeah. She made her debut in 2009's The Good, The Sad, and The Druggly, mm. season 20. Man, wow, she's a decade yes. old character at this point. I, it would have been a good 
gag to just see that Chalmers has no money like that kind of screws him even more in the episode but uh you know they 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 are kind of trying to just get them on the road and get them out uh I guess you know the the they got to get to the first commercial break soon too and uh, that happens once they're on the road uh and so Chalmers he's out of luck but Seymour's got a plan all right where is your car it too is being winterized but I know where to get one. Oh, no. You're not borrowing my Buick. I just had it winterized. But, Mother, this road trip is my last chance to become friends with the man I admire most in the world. Please. Well, you did do such a nice job rebeating my eyeglass chain. I guess a boy your age should have friends. Yeah, you, me, and the open road, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe some music will make the time pass more quickly. I hope you like this song because it's stuck in the player and there's no volume knob. So in the script, uh, Agnes is much harsher to Skinner, actually. And oh, yeah. uh, Skinner is a lot weirder because instead of saying, you know, uh, you fixed my, you rebeated my eyeglass chain, a boy your age should have friends in the script, she talks about how her Mother's Day coupon book that year should have uh, a lot of toe hair plucking. Ugh. And then Skinner brags about he, he's going to pluck, peel, and pumice her feet. So crueler Agnes and grosser Skinner. So mm-hmm. they, they soften that as well, which I like to make Skinner, <laughs> uh, again, more human. It, it was weird seeing such detailed pictures in the background, like hanging on Agnes's walls. I mean, I know they can do that now because the show is HD, but to me, it's just distracting when the, the pictures are so detailed. Yeah, I think, I mean, they have the power to do that now with the HD, like you said, but I find it too distracting mm-hmm. because the, your eye should be drawn towards the characters, but instead there's like a very distinct drawing of Skinner right by the other drawing of Skinner in the foreground. I'm glad they got away from the toe hair plucking grossness and uh, instead went with a specific of having eyeglass chains. Like you just think of like, oh yeah, old women like Agnes have eyeglass chains and they have beads on them for some reason. Like I, I like that and that that it would need a re-beading instead of just buying a new eyeglass chain for her. You should get one of those, Henry. <laughs> I do. You'd be the coolest guy on your block. <laughs> uh, I, uh, you know, I, I prefer putting them on top of my head. But mm. then again, some of my hair, uh, then I pull them down, and my glasses are slightly dirty c- from just like hair grease. Or <laughs> that's gross. I'm, I'm as gross you, as this toe hair plucking thing. You put them on your head, and you go uh, walking around, going, "Has anyone seen my glasses?" <laughs> uh, I mean, let's talk about uh, I Timothy was like shouted out in this table script that's something too that i i would have figured if i'd seen this on its own i would have think like well i wonder where all these songs came in but in most cases as if a specific song in half the cases specific songs are said in the script and they are played on screen and timothy is written by uh, rupert holmes the guy who wrote the pina colada song or escape yeah but uh, it is about a, a cave-in uh, and two men eat their companion who is not a duck they lied yes, about that, yeah, that to get the song on the radio yeah that's uh i only know that as part of the story because on mystery science theater i believe it was monster go go mm-hmm. because the every sketch couldn't be about the movie because nothing happens in the movie so the the characters just have small talk and they talk about the pina colada song and just ask them Ask Joel to explain the plot of the Pina Colada song, 
and then they ask him to also explain the plot of timothy and but i'd never really heard that song before when it was shouted out in the script i didn't know that song in the room by, by name didn't know it until i heard a gilbert Gottfried podcast and when Rupert holmes was on it he's on several of them so i can't point to which one it is but he <laughs> explains the writing of the song timothy and the controversy about a song about cannibalism being on the radio but it is largely known as like one of the worst songs ever like we built this city in macarthur park it's always on those lists <laughs> uh, like the boomer list of right. the worst songs of all time i know not oh well, i knew nothing about this song until i looked it up i had no idea it was about cannibalism and uh well you said it's like regarded as being a very bad song but you know what um it's my first time hearing it like watching it on the show and i love any song that's like super cheerful but then when you actually look at the lyrics it's really dark mm. that's like my favorite kind of song that so i don't is, know uh, I, i'm porous that's gonna be first dance at our wedding <laughs> uh, well i gotta say i'm a, i'm as lame as skinner in this regard because i do i like these cheesy uh power pop kind of songs from the 70s like henry did look wounded when i said macarthur park was bad i like that song <laughs> i know it's i look i know it's an annoying song like i when, so take it up with dave barry <laughs> i didn't say that uh when Krusty was so negative to it yeah, about it, yeah, it just kept going. I huh? like, I was like, but, uh, but it's a good song. No, yeah, I, you've been dancing through a lot of '70s stuff on <laughs> Just Dance. I know. I've uh, I got Just Dance Unlimited, and instead of playing the current songs that, or even songs from ten years ago, like Katy Perry songs, I instead mostly dancing to songs from the 1970s the, the yeah. ones made for the old people on it <laughs> yeah the, and i also love in the shot skinner is not annoyed at all at timothy he's like hey when he says there's no volume knob he's like anyway yeah enjoy it <laughs> like he's like hey timothy <laughs> also in the script the specific model of buick in 1984 riviera is shouted out and i think they they did it for real and it's only a buick for a joke later like that's the only reason oh, it's a Buick. <laughs> that's right do you think uh, skinner was listening of timothy in vietnam it came oh, out in 1971 yeah he must have or or when he just got back and had stolen the name of uh, seymour skinner that must be one of the first songs he listened to with <laughs> uh, with agnes well i mean again for that timeline to work now skinner is like 70 you he's know? too old to be a vietnam veteran i mean he's too young to be a vietnam veteran at this point yes yeah so is a joke that he likes a lame song or is it that it's like a dark such a dark song I, I mean, the joke is, like I said up front, it's known as one of the worst songs of all time. And it's not a song you want to hear over and over at max volume on the road. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it's just that he's he's not bothered by it at all. He's not. Well, also, like, I guess neither Agnes must like it, too, or she never listens to music. Actually, I could see her just she never turns on music and doesn't care for it. Like you could replace that with like the crazy frog song and the joke would still work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But I guess it does fit more the age range of like the Selman. I, I always remember this on a commentary where Selman's like, you want jokes about Transformers, watch Family Guy. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't grow up with that stuff. Selman is too young for, uh, for Timothy. It came out before he was born. Or like when he was three. Yeah, yeah. He must, uh, I guess he only knew it as a postmodern joke on a cheesy song. It just on cheesy song. Oh, he was born the year Timothy came out. I take that uh, back. Okay. And uh, I saw Selman uh, says this was a lucky coincidence. But when it says 800 miles, apparently somebody noted that 
from Cincinnati to Springfield, Massachusetts oh. is 800 miles thereabouts. So, uh, but but not intentional. Uh, and I've never been to Missouri, but is it full of outlet malls? Is that what, what it's known Basically, for? Basically, yeah. Okay. And, and uh, Branson, of course. Oh, yes. Yeah. Where uh, second encore every night from Andy Williams. And lots of opiates. Uh, and, That's most of America, though. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not special anymore. The, the gag of uh, Skinner reading The Lonely Person is a uh, reference to The Lonely lonely planet uh guidebooks and i like that it's a logo of a person eating alone i like that <laughs> i've never heard of these lonely planet guidebooks before i, no, I looked them up no. online i was like i've never even seen these <laughs> well I, there's like eight things in this episode that it's like well wait you guys have phones like why are you looking in a book for any of this information oh yeah i was actually thinking that like oh i, I think it's cool that he's actually reading from a book and not a phone but that's probably because it's easier to show what a person is reading when they're just holding up a book mm-hmm. if it's like on a phone you have to like um aim the quote-unquote camera over their shoulder and maybe it's more awkward that way yeah mm-hmm. smartphones have made all fiction uh more boring frankly yes. yeah <laughs> yeah well same with like uh chalmers's note cards it's like but just have that on the on the cloud chalmers why why you why do you have note cards in this day and age but i think that makes it work better even as a a throwback to road trip films like planes trains and automobiles or also like uh midnight run mm-hmm. those kind of movies that you you need these physical things if everything is on the internet then it is a more boring episode same with like uh you know the travel problems that happen in planes trains and automobiles multiple of them would be solved by an internet connection yeah yeah like a like a, however it's, it's a trite statement of course but like every seinfeld it's like if you guys could text message yes. there'd be no plots it'd all be over <laughs> i will say i still write down my my shopping list on a piece of paper mm. and i also like if i'm going somewhere new i will like actually draw a map showing wow. where it is that's that's impressive that i i that, that's a lot of, i would not put that much extra work into a new place I, it's just faster to pull out a piece of paper and mm, pull out my phone i still have a paper schedule i'd lose well, i can never find uh you know i'm kind of a cluttered person it's <laughs> hard to I, if i put something down on paper i often just end up losing put it, it on a chain around your neck henry <laughs> a beaded <laughs> chain like your future Another, glasses yeah. <laughs> uh but yes as uh as we learn in the next scene begins there's a whole lot of ways to eat cincinnati chili oh did you know that in cincinnati they have four different ways of preparing chili you don't say huh the two-way chili with spaghetti the three-way chili with spaghetti and cheese and there's two kinds of four ways i want to die hitchhikers oh thank the lord Hitchhikers, sir. Is this safe? They can bury us in a shallow grave as long as they don't talk about chili. Thanks for picking us up. We're on our way to a gig. Oh, a, a gig? Are you uh, musicians? Oh, no. We do improv Shakespeare! <laughs> Improvisers. In the style of Shakespeare, that seems impossible. <laughs> Methinks this noble lord doth doubt our wit. We must perform or else be deemed unfit. A word, a word. My kingdom for a word. Uh, no, no, don't give them a suggestion. Cup holders. To grasp a cup would seem a great ordeal. When one must keep both hands upon the wheel. The pentameter checks out. Your parents must be so proud. They're not. <laughs> Huge laugh in the uh, in the room for that yeah. one. Yeah, 
I I love being able to see, you know, Pamela and Yardley do a very rare thing for them, which is playing adult women. Like <laughs> that that but that felt really special. And I think Yardley does a really good job as this type of very intense, overly twee improv Shakespeare uh person. I love that. I normally don't like comedy writers bashing improv because there's lots of good improv out there, but this is worth bashing. Yes, yeah. There was there was that whole episode they did about improv. Did you watch that one? Oh, no. I don't know. Is no. This a one? I watched the Homer clip that you told me about. Yeah, that's the episode that, that ends with 30 seconds of um, Dan doing Homer improv. Oh, he, the he live questions Homer. live on air. Yeah. I remember the live Homer gimmick. I think I watched that, but I didn't see I didn't see the adjoining episode. It, it's always hard when a, a show or a comedy show does any episode about comedy, like stand-up or improv. Because then they have to write jokes that are funny within that universe mm. that are also funny to the audience. But then you're just watching, like when it comes to improv, you're watching improv that's not actually improv. So how do you make that funny? Mm. But that's why it can work better here that it's just, it's bad. It has to be bad. It's, it's funnier to write bad yeah. jokes. Yeah. I. Well, it's funny too, this divide of like, you know, some comedy writers look down on improv people, but others, others come from a background of improv. Like I know that Selman, like he's, I, I believe he's a friend of the, like the UCB hmm. guys. Like he, he likes improv improvisation, but, but improv Shakespeare is annoying. Yeah. Like, and that's because yeah. uh, Chalmers is right. Like no one is having fun, but you. Yeah, <laughs> that's Yes. I do like that. It's annoying, but it's also impressive. No, I know it's not. <laughs> I, no, it's it's so challenging. No, improv Shakespeare. No, no. You got to make it rhyme. You got to have the right pentameter. They're they're wasting their lives. <laughs> uh, I oh. did too. I've got a master's in literature. Uh, I always figure those improv Shakespeare people have a lot of like rhyming couplets in their back pocket. Yeah, know, like, yeah. There's some mm, cheats. That's true. That well, I mean, like also most improv actors are like, oh yeah, this is all improvised tonight. It's like. Well, they probably just, you know, I, I remember going to one that was really funny, but I think afterwards, I think, well, was this a scene you guys have done before, but this time you put it in front of a barn because somebody said barn? Sure, sure. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not slandering all improvs. I'm slandering the, the twee, like, uh, self-indulgent improv, improv Shakespeare. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, chill, this chili talk. Oh, I have yeah. chili info, so I can talk to you guys all about the different ways to make Cincinnati chili. Oh, boy. So, two-way Get this spaghetti topped with chili. That's called right. chili spaghetti, okay. <laughs> nicknamed. Uh, three ways: spaghetti, chili, and cheese. So a little spicy. You got a you know an extra ingredient in there. Uh, four way onion. Get this spaghetti, chili, cheese, and onions. Uh, then we have four way bean. Guess what's added to that one? <laughs> That's gonna be some beans. So spaghetti, chili, beans, and cheese. And we got five way. If you want to just lose your mind, we got spaghetti, chili, beans, onions, and cheese. If you are like the king of Cincinnati for a day, you're allowed to eat that. <laughs> you can go that far with a five-way. Beans and onions, I, I can't imagine them together. I, it's, it's, uh, it's a new food concoction, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I'd try it. I, I think I would be full for the rest of the day, but I would try it. No, no. I mean, it was a good meal. It was it was just like every carb imaginable on a plate. <laughs> the three I think I would take a nice nap afterwards. The three of us can split it someday. Let's do that. I think one plate's enough for the three of us. That's, uh, that's Western Okonomiyaki, this, this Skyline Chili. <laughs> Once it's safe to travel and safe to split food again. 
Mm. But I I only plan to do a layover in Cincinnati. I'm not going to stay there. <laughs> you have to leave the airports to get Skyline Chili. <laughs> uh, but Skyline, it's got Sky in the title. It should, mm. They should have a Skyline in the airport. It's not the same. There's so much talk about the Cincinnati Skyline in this episode. I didn't know that was such a, a thing. Yeah, I don't get what's so special about it either, I have to say. I mean, in general, Skylines are boring to me. I don't know what's so special about other than the Other than the needle, I don't know what's so special about the Fraser Skyline that starts mm. uh, every episode. Yeah. I, I think these eastern cities like Cincinnati uh, and even my hometown of Youngstown, they were the first cities to have skyscrapers. Ah, okay. Some of the first ah. skyscrapers. So, I mean, every city has those now, but turn of the century, turn of the last century, not so much. Oh, is that so why? they were just like, wow, tall buildings. Like people literally thought the skyscrapers would blot out the sun. So they were afraid to build buildings <laughs> that tall. Uh, we we challenged God in that day. That's why we knew God was dead, that they could <laughs> build it that tall. I also, uh, I remember the table read, there was a slight miscue with that crosstalk joke, but it's still kind of funny. It's a lots of laughs, yeah. yeah. I did like Skinner, try, sorry, Chalmers trying to humor Skinner and then just saying, I want to die. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and, and that Chalmers, yes, wants to shut up Skinner, but he ends up with a person more annoying and that and that skinner also has never heard of such a thing as improvised shakespeare like he's so boring he's never thought about this in his life so he's like wow i've never thought of such a thing before is uh, it a real thing oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i i, think oh, I had gives, no idea that, See, i'm like skinner now i'm like wow that's impressive you've never listened to npr <laughs> <laughs> that's like half the humor i okay, well i mean Obviously, I I like improv. I, I like Shakespeare. I've just never seen the two merge together. Well, they're the awful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, no, so, I'm gonna I'm gonna seek this out now. We're gonna uh, go see an improv oh, Shakespeare. Man, no. Date night getting planned right here. I'm getting drunk in the lobby. Methinks <laughs> <laughs> uh, thy doesn't like this Shakespeare, Bob. That was the wrong pentameter. Damn it! Uh, <laughs> it was not iambic. <laughs> you know what? I, I I appreciate them now too. After after oh, flopping there in the script uh, skinner actually goes ba 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 like he says it out loud the, right. the syllables to count them but in the the final version he just like waves his finger just to count them <laughs> in the script in the next scene where they cause the car crash they say like cast thine eyes upon the road ahead but i i prefer the ides of march reference mm. to uh to good old julius caesar one of my my favorite shakespeare joints <laughs> <laughs> and also Ch uh, chalmers calls them jabbering donkeys which i i actually prefer him saying no you're the only people having fun it's it's more you. underlining how annoying this is it's like it's only for the sake of you no one is enjoying this and uh, they crash the car into a silo of uh genetically engineered soybeans i love the like basketball size soybeans and and seeing a small town sheriff like take a bite out of it like it's a peach it's uh, <laughs> that's very funny and I, I think uh, Castellaneta does a really good job with this. He's handed a character that is small town sheriff getting the city slickers who also has to be Midwestern Skinner as well. He has to work as both of those things. I'm honestly surprised Dan didn't try to do a Skinner impression. Yeah. It's a different voice than that. Maybe he tried that at first and they told him to go a different direction. Hmm. And uh, and this is where the entire reason it was a Buick comes through, which is the guy gets to say, alas, poor Buick, instead of poor Yorick, the, the line from Hamlet. The famous skull man. Yes. Uh, and so we head to the courthouse with the funny sign gag, fleecing city slickers since 1922, which was in the script too. A good, mm -hmm. there's, uh, I again, I was like, wow, there's most of these sign gags are in the script as well. Like they, they uh, had hashed it out that much. 
And yeah, so we then, what a treat it was that we got to see live not only Tress McNeil do Agnes Skinner, but also bring out her southern mean <laughs> old lady voice as well. She does like eight different old ladies. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> She is the queen. She's she's been doing great old ladies since she was our age, and she's only gotten better with them over the years. But uh, but yes, in this case, she takes a liking to old skinny boy. Who dragged me in here on a Saturday in the middle of my lifetime movies? I'm missing my lifetimes. An old woman who's enraged by my very existence. Don't worry, sir. I got this. Your Honor, permission to observe that your poor cuticles are raw and torn. Thanks to my idiot son, he made my manicure appointment with Tanya P instead of Tanya G. <laughs> well, that boy's as useless as a shaved frog. Now, Mother... Hush up and empty the spittoons, Fenimore. <laughs> you know, I always travel with cuticle scissors and jojoba oil. Let's get these ladies ready for their close-up. You have fun at the convention, boys. You just bring it back whenever. Mother, you never let me drive the Cutlass. My car is for good boys. <laughs> I like that. My car is for good boys. <laughs> the one joke they cut from the courtroom scene, which I think was a good cut, was the, the sheriff, Fenimore, saying, but I frisk you because he frisked Skinner and he would have found the, uh, yeah. the kit, but apparently he didn't. <laughs> I did like Skinner's little reply, like, you did your best, Fenimore. <laughs> like, but that's a little, that is sillier than the scene needs. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I like that he's a better suck up son to her than, than Fenimore is. And that, uh, and then also this, they, they shout out specifically a 1988 cutlass convertible in the script as well, which the animators got right. Mm -hmm. They did a good job there. It freaked me out seeing fingernails on Simpson's hands. Yeah. We I don't think of if there's ever, if you've ever seen that before. Maybe. I mean, you need it for the joke, but it is weird. Just like they suddenly emerge from the fingers just for like the sake <laughs> yeah. of a close up. Just like, oh, I'm not used to that. <laughs> Not only fingernails, but cuticles. Yeah. I've never thought about what the yellow skinned one, because it's a Agnes style old lady, she has like a lighter t uh, skin tone as well from the normal yellow because of her age. Any kind of hand extra hand detail on Simpson's hands it's disturbing it's sort of like in, in season two in old money when uh grandpa's looking at his hands and they suddenly have way too much detail he looks like a ninja turtle yeah, yeah I, was, uh, I was exactly thinking that even then you don't see his fingernails no <laughs> and yeah they say drive off with another car uh and it's uh the literal halfway point of their trip you see the 400 mile sign which uh that's that's a fun marker of time for the episode and i also i really like that Chalmers, this was in the script. Like Chalmers is moving his hand in the air in the in the convertible, like he's just a fun trip thing. Sing along with Timothy. Yeah, but and it's not even playing. He's just remembering the song. Like, yeah, what did we do? And uh, that's when they drive by the steamed ham sign, which is very very brief. It's I think it's just if they didn't have any steamed ham stuff, people would have given him grief over it. So I I like that it's just there's a steamed hams stand on the way to Cincinnati. I would rather that steamed hams don't exist at all. It's hmm. a completely a Skinner invention. Mm. I, it's gross that they do exist i've seen i've watched people make steamed hams recently on a youtube video and yeah. i just it looks it I, if i'm gonna eat beef I'd, <laughs> I'd like a char on it i do not want steamed beef wet beef yeah ugh, the wettest of beef 
Like, not only do they exist, but there's a whole restaurant about them. Although, I guess it could just be a restaurant called Steam Hams, and they don't actually serve <laughs> hamburgers. Yeah, maybe maybe they actually, like, steam literal hams at that place. Yeah. Which, that sounds gross, too. Like, but <laughs> I at least want a smokehouse ham. Uh, but yes, then comes the biker section of it, which is, I mean, that's again, what happens in these road trip movies is the characters go to a biker bar, but they found a really clever spin on it for this one. It, I guess that was a pun I meant, I, had there, <laughs> but I didn't mean it. It's a very fun set piece and they managed to get like every super specific uh, cycling joke in here, uh, yes. which I really like. And like, I, I am learning things about this world now based on this episode. Did you see that uh, whole breakdown about all the cycling jokes in this episode? Yeah. One of our uh, commenters on on uh, on patreon pointed me to it that canadian cyclist magazine the website had mm. had a full breakdown of the pros and cons of it i did did you check it out too nina yeah i mean i i think it's a a good analysis of it and i appreciate that they did that it seems like they mostly got things right so there must have been a, a cyclist on the staff or maybe uh <laughs> um Jeff Westbrook like cycling. Maybe Jeff know. Westbrook is annoyed by cyclists based on what we see in this episode. It, but he knows so many specific things about it. it it's true. Like. It could, it to me feels like the spirit of one writer in the writer's room got really into cycling and everybody else is sick of hearing about it. Whoever comes in very sweaty every day. Yeah. You know, it's actually really easy to cycle to work every day, guys. You know, you got to get rid of these cars. There were some of those guys at our, our old office, Henry. Yeah. People hey. who cycle. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not against the cyclists uh, it, it is probably better than owning a car but like i felt above then i'm like well i didn't even i don't even own a car i i take bart everywhere bart's bart's a train by the way oh yes yes sorry <laughs> i uh, every time i say bart on our simpsons podcast i forget that i people might think i'm referring to something i else. take the tube <laughs> the tube I've never gone into cycling myself. Like I, I used to bike a lot as a kid, but I've never been like a, a cycling commuter. And I would like to get into it, except I'm too uh, scared of uh, cars. Yes. Uh, the only time I've done that, like biking on the road, was in uh, Minneapolis, actually, because a friend of mine cycles a lot. So uh, uh. she was just leading the way. And that was a lot of fun. But they have better, uh, way better bike lanes than we do in Vancouver. Another thing that helps is... Uh, they're way flatter than we are like Vancouver yeah. has so many hills like I can't imagine cycling through all of that I would only really cycle on uh, bike trails and there are a ton of them around uh, at Berkeley which is nice but whenever I tried to be like okay I'm gonna ride my bike places the cars were like way too aggressive especially in Ohio a car is like what is a bike doing on the road what's even happening this <laughs> should not be dare you. <laughs> and uh, I do it's, it's at the end of the scene but I do like um, uh, Chalmers like are you pedestrians or are you vehicles as, as a pedestrian <laughs> like the bike should not be on the sidewalk barreling at me but when I'm crossing the street the bike should stop for me yeah I don't I don't like that as a pedestrian two bike riders i'm not a fan there's dave foley has this amazing kids yeah. in the hall bit way from like 92 or something that i always think of anytime a bike rider goes by me on a sidewalk i think of him his his letter to the guy i clotheslined <laughs> he's, he's like and what were you even doing on the sidewalk anyway sidewalk come on <laughs> i do have sympathy because i've been a cyclist and i know like how terrifying it can be to be in the street but also i don't want to be running over and i always like when i'm walking well i always i always enjoy this by the way when i'm walking on the sidewalk and then just someone just comes cruising behind me right past me like a hair's breadth from my body yeah it's like you don't have a, you don't have a bell get a yeah. bell uh, these are just yeah, my I'm, grievances I'm also, coming out on this I'm podcast also, i'm also annoyed by cyclists on the sidewalk and i also totally understand why because there are some areas here where i would not feel safe 
spiking. But yeah, at least use a bell. At least like let us know you're you're gonna pass by. And one thing I don't like about Japan is there's so many cyclists, um, and they never use their bell. So if you're walking, you got to be really careful because they'll just zoom right past you. Man, I didn't know that they're they're as silent as we are on these bells. The, I, people should learn how fun bells are like Homer does when he gets his yeah, bike. You can giggle like a little girl when you <laughs> ring your bell. Uh, I, I did see uh, the biggest gripe in that Canadian Cyclist magazine, I believe. They're like a thing they got wrong. Where one where they're like, well, bike bicyclists do drink beer. They don't not drink beer. But also they said they, they were like, why would you have you would either you'd have a head unit or or a bpm wrist yeah. you wouldn't have one you wouldn't have both apparently was was the issue the cyclist magazine took with it well it was just so they can do the peewee's big adventure joke where the, yes. the thing's domino that's also a, a shockingly low bpm that guy has yes yeah, yeah. i was gonna Which say 30 <laughs> i've got my fitbit on that guy must be in amazing shape i'm in okay shape and my my resting heart rate right now is 75 Whoa. but i'm also drinking coffee and being excited on a podcast <laughs> Well, like an athletic, uh, super in good shape BPM is like in the 50s range. So 30 is like superhuman. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this was another thing that was changed in the script. The The script shouts out a specific song that would be playing when they enter the bar. Oh, yeah. I've got a clip of that in the Slack. Ah, okay. And in the final episode, you get kind of like a bad to the bone style riff, which I guess yeah. is meant to mislead you up to the point where uh, they realize they're in a cyclist bar and not a biker bar. Mm, but that's a creepier song to enter to and like, you know, for fancy cyclist type guys. I that uh, I, I, I can't pronounce that. La Tombe de l'Amour. OK, thank you. I took French. Uh, Apparently, Nina knows French. Did I say, did I say that correctly, Nina? La Tombe de l'Amour? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. That's uh, the singer's April March and that's uh that sounds made up <laughs> it's a a 1962 french pop song that uh i think uh, it's most famous use is in the moonrise kingdom film oh okay i leave the uh, the kids the kids dance to it i'm not watching that twee crap <laughs> uh come on it was made for us we've have we outgrown him now i, I think i Anderson? have he's fine <laughs> I, I was just playing up my anger i don't really dislike him and uh and in this bit here it's where kevin michael richardson like gets a few lines so i was glad that even though he's not finch in the episode that of uh, the the guy who was so friendly to us at the table read at least had some some lines left in the episode but uh, yes, they piss off these cyclists. You two oil burners might want to skedaddle before my resting heart rate elevates to 60 BPM. That's beats per minute, oil burner! <laughs> uh, why don't you calm down there, Slim? What did you call me? Computers. Our stats were on there. Yeah. They hadn't synced yet. Images. You still got the exercise, right? Huh. He doesn't <laughs> understand. I got Nina into the world of uh, stats, mm. body stats, uh, because 
and curse you for doing that. I... That's exactly why I didn't want to get into Fitbit, because I tend to obsess over numbers and stats, and I do not want to do that. But when you sent me your old one so I could like keep track of my, my number of steps uh, during the, the whole pandemic, because I want to, you know, keep somewhat fit, I started obsessing over numbers again. And now, like, if I go to sleep without my uh, Fitbit on and I wake up, I'm like, no, I, I didn't get a sleep score. How do I know how well I slept? I need my sleep sticker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you can turn your life into a D&D character sheet. It's great. I, I love... St- I like mean, Chivos. all you're doing is giving a big corporation, like, you know, market research about you, and they can, you know, then feed that into a computer and they could tell you what kind of products you want in the future. <laughs> it's the same with any kind of stat tracking you do on anything, like Goodreads or anything, but I still, I like it. I like knowing that progress is being made in some way. I like it, but it also drives me mad. Well, I'm happy to, that I helped uh, that uh, alter that aspect of your life. <laughs> uh, Henry, you should get a Fitbit too. I, I, you know, my, my phone. Uh, the, you guys are half selling me on it, half scaring me about it. I, uh, my Join phone, us. <laughs> my phone tracks my steps. I, it's I inaccurate. Uh, <laughs> inaccurate. Uh, you I, need a Fitbit hooked up to your GPS. Every stat is measured. Stat is measured. Stat also, step is measured. Also, when you do Just Dance, it, uh, the Fitbit picks it up, up as an aerobic exercise and uh, it tells you how many calories you burned. We need oh, a sponsorship man. already for Fitbit. <laughs> uh, me, uh, me and Ina did talk about this with Just Dance where it's like she, she you pointed out uh, correctly that like the videos are just on YouTube and you can just play a video and dance to it, but you wouldn't know the score and you wouldn't know how many calories it said you burned or if you did it in the right timing. You, know? you need teacher to tell you you're yep. good. Yeah. <laughs> I never even thought of that. Like, oh yeah, wait, I could just watch. I mean, if I wanted to do exercise videos, I could just watch every sweat into the oldies on YouTube or, or Tybo. And it's just true. Do it. That Jane Fonda tape has got to be on YouTube. <laughs> that got banned. It's too dirty. <laughs> yeah. In the actual Just Dance game, there is no like, pause or slow down or tutorial function so in a way it's actually better to just follow along on youtube because then you can like stop it anytime you want slow it down like if there mm. are really hard dance moves i just slow it down to like half speed and follow mm. along to learn the moves that's quite a they hack. don't let you do that in the game so, yeah, <laughs> yeah just just play it for free on youtube but then yeah. you don't get the points yeah the sweet sweet points <laughs> or you unlock new stickers all those fun all those fun euro co- comedy stickers like it's the it's a silly panda with a feather boa this this is so whimsical i need to unlock things <laughs> otherwise what's the point uh, but yes, the 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 scary biker bar full of cyclists is I, it's a good little gag. I I also love Dan's maniacal laughter. Like that was great. Yeah. I, I believe he did that at the table too. He's like a Griff Tannen style sidekick. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That he's just called Agro Sidekick in the script. Oh, yes, yeah. They get chased after by the cyclist. There is a good gag about uh, the not respecting the rules of the road. They just drive through a stop sign. I I like that. Skinner is shocked by it. So that's good. And uh, and they crash. They crash two cars in the same day, which again, very road trip movie kind of thing. And Chalmers is stuck in the car and seemingly Skinner abandons him. I, I love the joke. It took a lot of animation to execute, but just all of the different angles of their GoPros as they surround uh, Chalmers. Really yeah, cool joke. They have to do Funny six too. different angles of a scared Chalmers. Like it's really the animators uh, did a great job on that. And and I also love Azari's delivery of the of a worried version of Skinner. Like that was that was good. There are so many different ways he says Skinner's name throughout this episode. It's great. 
and uh and also they actually use skinner's military background for a plot point that skinner saves the day and the i also it's a funny idea the showdown of people with giant arms and small legs against people with giant legs and small arms it's a it's a funny mashup wheel team six is an okay pun but i do like that skinner skinner would have a booklet of vfw events and and keep abreast of them wherever he went because probably because the vfw guys are like the only uh, adult friends he has other than chalmers i think and uh and i also love i do love them scaredly running away to the support van and it's them sucking orange slices looking out the window so i did do some math and uh skinner uh the youngest vietnam uh veteran would be uh have to have been, been born in 1947 mm. so that would make them 73 today wow that, that would be if you got drafted as young as you could be at the latest time the vietnam war was going on Man. and like 23 years ago with the principal in the popper they made skinner like a kid getting arrested to make it make sense that a 42 year old man could have fought in vietnam like he was like one of the youngest recruits i bet one day they're gonna make him like a 9-11 vet <laughs> a 9-11 vet to. i i think he'd have to be in a, at this point he could be an Adve- afghanistan war guy for any time in the last 20 years mm, you know it that's can, true it works well we'll never get out of there so we'll always have the afghan veterans <laughs> That's uh, I've noted that with the character the Punisher in Marvel Comics that he he had the same Skinner problem of being tied to the Vietnam War and when it got into like the late nineties people had to do the math of like well Punisher is at least in his late forties at this point to be a, a Vietnam vet but mm-hmm. then once our forever wars began at the start of the two thousands for America uh, then he got to just be a veteran of recent wars again and that's and that's been the the case for. Uh, old frank castle ever since yeah skinner apparently is 46 so uh if he was 46 in 2020 he is still too young for even the gulf war yeah he's i guess he'd have to be then one of the older guys in afghanistan mm-hmm. then or in or or iraq or you know we've got lots of theaters of war there's, there's a there's a bunch of wars yeah. <laughs> yeah they're gonna have to retcon that and one day they're probably gonna retcon homer and marge having gone to high school in the 2000s <laughs> yes yeah wouldn't yeah. that be fun? Already, I mean, already that '90s show doesn't work for the continuity, and even that's how much time has, yeah. has moved forward. So they head triumphantly to a bed and breakfast after that encounter, and it's it was wild to me in the script. Every detail of their sitting thing is is there, like even down to the cats on their lap. Yeah, all of the bed and breakfast stuff was identical, and that's good because all the jokes were so good and specific. Yeah, it uh, obviously in in the year 2020, it makes me like, oh boy, mm-hmm. I wish I. I had gone to a bed and breakfast when those existed all of this makes me miss my grandma because i I do uh i have no exposure to old lady culture anymore Mm. and i guess modern old ladies are different than the old ladies that jeff westbrook and the older writers are thinking of yeah in the script there is a very specific type of chair written in here adirondack yeah i'm not sure what that is that's the kind of chairs they're sitting in that's all i can tell you (laughs) okay I mean, I've never had elderberry wine, but this maybe wanted too. It sounded, it sounded really. You know, I like, I like sweet wine. I like sweetest, the sugariest of alcohols. Elderberry sounds like it'd be tart. They, they do kind of have a tart shiver to it, don't they? In, yeah. in the script, the, it seems like they're disgusted by the wine, but in the show, they like the wine. That's true. Yeah, that is that is a big change. <laughs> they, but it's the, like the description is like thick and sweet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, so yes, after this scene uh skinner is feeling good they're eating scones at uh, in the breakfast nook and i like uh, i think they took a real care into the 
patrons of it. It looks like a mix of old straight couples and gay couples. Mm-hmm, yeah. that's, that's who fills out a bed and breakfast. When they were skinning across the room, I was like, oh, is the joke it's all gay couples? But no, there are straight couples there too. Yes. It's the, the only of uh, you know younger ones are gay men, I think. They could have easily done like a planes, trains, and automobile scene where they have to share a bed or something. But I guess at this point, they're supposed to be getting along, so they didn't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the happy moment before before the next problem comes in. And uh, uh, this is quite a dramatic end to an act break here. Ernest, I've never felt more independent and strong. Can I use your phone to call Mother? There she is. <laughs> Just make sure no one's using the upstairs extension. You're back in the office already? Principal Finch, your gut biome is a wonder. So how's Sassack Seymour and the Cincinnati Snooze Cruise? <laughs> Vintage Finch, but uh, believe it or not, Skinner has shown uh, bursts of utility. Whoa, 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 whoa. You better not be getting cold feet, Gary. We made an agreement. Skinner gets canned, and I leave my tiny little magnet school for the big time. Springfield Elementary. <laughs> oh! Yes, I know, I know. The plan was to fire Skinner, and, uh... <sighs> I am a man of my word. Fire, Skinner, Chalmers! Oh, dear. (laughs) So in the script, uh, this phone call goes on for a bit longer, and I kind of like it a bit more because it's not necessary, but Finch tries to dig into Skinner a little bit more, and you can see Chalmers is very reluctant to make fun of Skinner now. Yeah. And I do like that, but we get one instance of that, and that's kind of enough. It's, uh, I mean, it's a fun take on those kind of conversations you have where you're talking to a friend you used to bag on another guy with but you've turned on that person and you like them now and but your friend is going like no come on let's make fun of this person together and the the other guy has to like pull back and be like well you know he's not so bad uh yeah i wonder i wonder if they set the scene in an old uh bed and breakfast place so that they can have uh skinner listening in on the phone call yeah since you're using like old phones there and you can't really do that with smartphones obviously i feel like uh they would have found a way anyhow but i feel like someone probably jeff westbrook really liked the airbnb not airbnb sorry the old bnb humor (laughs) old (laughs) bnb and uh wanted to squeeze that in i mean i'm sure they would have found a way for skinner to overhear things if not but that's that's a good device to use like just having an old landline with uh you know picking up the phone and hearing the other side of the call and i like the layout of that shot too that you know, it's a two shot of Skinner and Chalmers, but the thing, the line that cuts across it is a corded phone. Yeah, and it pulls taut when he screams uh, Chalmers. And yeah. the, I like what I like about the the phone cord that crosses the screen is like there's a little bit of it that's kind of flawed. Like one of the loops is imperfect. Yeah. Like how you always get like one funky loop on those old phone cords. <laughs> yes. I noticed that too. I was thinking, oh, the artist must have had fun with this. And uh, it was also fun to see Dan Kesselman alive do his Walter Brennan voice. I, I yeah. really, I really enjoyed that. I also uh, in the script there's uh, there's a reference to him telling he saying he wants to call his mother because to tell her that her car exploded. Yeah, which, that is not addressed in any way the rest of the episode or like what's going to happen to the judge's car. Yes, yeah, which I guess, I mean, it's near totaled in the episode. Yeah, it's also fun just to hear Seymour say, Chalmers! That was fun. And I do think, you know, for Harry Shearer, he does a really good job with Skinner. His his Skinner sounds more like 
Skinner than his Burns sounds like Burns to me now. Yeah, I think you're right because I th- it might be easier to carry that deeper voice character than it is mm. to carry the lighter voice Burns. Uh, but yeah, I like his Skinner. I mean, everyone sounds much older and you can't get around that because yeah. of the ravages of time. time. It makes fools of us all. Uh, but yes, they come back from the break and uh, Skinner is reading Chalmers the Riot Act. It was shocking to me to hear Skinner say son of a bitch on, on a TV show. I mean, you can say whatever on TV now, but, but it still Skinner. feels good to me. Yeah. Skinner himself. Uh, but yes, the truth is revealed. Fire me, oh. you bald-pated son of a bitch. Uh, if you two gentlemen could please... Stay out of this, Trudy! <laughs> For years, this man belittled me. Uh, humiliated me. In exchange for my unwavering loyalty, what was my reward? Whoa, to be pushed out by some scheming magnet school keister kisser. The brochures nobody takes. I'm the one who deserved this trip to Cincinnati, not Finch. That's why I put black mold in his poke. You did what? Ooh, the rocking chair museum. I've heard good things. You know why I was going to fire you, Seymour? Because your neediness, it sucks the life out of me. After all these years of trying to spare your feelings, I'm just going to say it now. I don't like you. So yeah, that uh, that song is in the script. Yeah. Ballroom Blitz. It's, uh, you know, it's a little of a standard choice for a fight scene, but I guess the comedy is that Ballroom Blitz would be playing in a bed and breakfast fight scene. As two old men, middle-aged men fight. Yeah. And it's fun uh, animation on that, but but yeah, he is, we got to see, you know, Hank Azaria in a script that says, biggest Skinner ever, and he, I feel like he really went for it. He brought that. it, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's because I'm the one who doesn't swear, but uh, Skinner saying SOB felt kind of out of character to me well, well he's been brought he's meant to be enraged but still he's been brought to like his lowest moment and uh a, a real skinner wouldn't start like a fight like this either yeah Re- regular true. skinner and in the script actually uh he calls uh, uh chalmers a butthead reluctantly instead of a keister kisser i like keister kisser because he goes from son of a bitch to keister kisser <laughs> yes he dials yeah. it way back to like yeah. fuddy-duddy seymour <laughs> And I also love his like, whoa, before he says it like that's that feels like a a good sheerer reading of it, too. And and also, yeah, those brochures nobody takes. I I think of them in hotels, too. You just see like this this thing of brochures as a little kid. You're like, whoa, these are free. And I I would just grab every all these free tiny books full of phone numbers. (laughs) Uh, All the gags are amazing. They use like every element of B&B humor. Uh, Again, I miss old lady culture. I have not seen a pot of potpourri in like 25 years. (laughs) a stinky pot of potpourri Uh, the the forbidden soup do not drink it Uh, Uh, potpourri to me is kind of gross because it just gets all dusty no it is gross no way to get rid of the dust my my fondness is just misplaced nostalgia missing my grandma Uh, no my uh, my grandma was not a fan of potpourri potpourri so i i don't have an attachment i do like the old-timey bed warmer that's fun i had to look that up <laughs> i i only knew it was a bed warmer from the script shouts it out me too yeah and if you google bed warmer the image that pops up is identical to the one in the show so i figured the artist <laughs> was just like what is a bed warmer uh, apparently how is it even used i don't understand in old-timey times before there was centralized heat in a house you would fill it with embers and then stick it in your bed but the fumes were noxious it was not a good time jeez <laughs> that sounds very dangerous yeah and 
uh, later you could fill it with like sand or like hot water but uh i think eventually over time we got like centralized heating systems and uh life became much better the the best bed warmer is a loved one by it's true <laughs> or a buckwheat pillow in the shape of your uh, fiance <laughs> I like to Chalmers, you know, throwing it at Skinner. It's not that Skinner is like even annoying. It's that he's needy. Like he's, and Mm -hmm. that, that fits for the character Skinner, who's a very lonely man who also like, you know, if you want to talk about his biography, part of it too is that he had a lover who left him for Ned and then, well, actually left him for comic book guy and then Ned. And then, uh, and then she died, and it's like that probably make it would lead to Skinner being very needy. Poor guy. Yeah. Uh, the best gag was when I referenced up front in the show is uh, there's a break in the fight, the music stops, and uh, Chalmers is slamming Skinner's head in the guest book, and he sees Terry Bradshaw's name, like, oh, Terry Bradshaw stayed here, and they are B and B guys. Sorry, the B and B guys, like, not the one you're thinking of. I love so that. yeah, I bet he, I bet he gets that a lot. He's yeah. got to let people down easy. Uh, that was that was I think one of, yeah one of the biggest laugh. I think that's the biggest laugh i did to a joke in the table room i think i laughed harder at a thing that comes later but uh, well he needs to stop leaving it open at that page <laughs> it's it's just it's the heavily creased page that everybody ends up on. he won't even lie to make the guests feel special he's yeah. just too honest it's <laughs> like now it's a different terry bradshaw i thought this whole scene was very well animated yeah oh, like, yeah oh, this is cool yeah the uh i mean the potpourri like being blown in the face as a weapon or the the waffle make your own waffle maker and the waffle iron burning skinner's hand that's great and uh and yeah the the fight just ends because they're like exhausted nobody really wins but and also they must owe this b&b a million dollars like for the yeah. amount of damage they made they're both criminals yeah they're allowed to walk free uh and especially the skinners on first name basis with the people there like they they're gonna get him for this i think yeah this is the scene where their suits are the same color blue for for this scene it doesn't because it does not really work if they are the set different colors of blue they normally are colored as it's a massive cheat and also <laughs> Chalmers is much whiter than Skinner is so there's no way they could not know Nina yeah. they're both angry they're both seeing red they don't know what colors are <laughs> no it's wrong <laughs> and it's, it's fine I don't I'm just kidding it's fine I understand they had to do this for the joke and, well, not the, the the setup at the end and uh and Skinner quits he says you don't need to fire me I quit he leaves with a car and then Chalmers has to uh, hitch a ride in a spaghetti truck that's going to Cincinnati. That's yeah. funny <laughs> that it's like an it's like oil a gasoline truck. Yeah. yeah. I love that you, the thought of just turning on a spigot and fully cooked spaghetti must come out of it. That sounds delicious. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and that is the real Roebling suspension bridge that's being referenced in the establishing shot. And same with the Duke Energy Center is a real place in it, Cincinnati. It made too. me want to go to Cincinnati. I kind of miss these uh, mid-level, uh, sorry, like mid, mid-size mid uh, Midwestern towns. They're yeah. fun. <laughs> cities? Yeah. They're cities. They're real cities. They're real cities. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, aren't you cute? You're real. You've even got a Major League Baseball team. Isn't that sweet? I love St. Paul. I, at night, I felt like I was the only person outside. <laughs> uh, no, I... This this, this made me appreciate just, I guess, really, too, it's that we've all been under house arrest for a long time. It made me appreciate the idea of just visiting a place and seeing <laughs> new things. Ooh, a bridge. <laughs> I've heard Nina is sick of bridges, though. Yeah, too many. <laughs> uh, and Henry, where do you think you'll travel to when it's safe again? Mm, you know, uh, the boring thing would to say one of the places I've been too many times, like, 
like Tokyo, I we had planned to go there uh, in January. That's not happening. But or or to Los Angeles again. But uh, I mean, I definitely would like to go to Orlando and other parts of Florida. Visit my brother in Florida. But also after doing, I it's it stuck with me after doing the Deep South episode of Futurama. I actually really do want to visit Atlanta. Like mm. Atlanta just seems like a really cool place. Still, I really I've I've uh, grew up near Atlanta for a few years. Of my childhood and i have i have a personal connection to it in that way so i think i really would like to visit atlanta that's that's high there for me i would like to go somewhere with nina to experience actual winter or actual fall Mm. somewhere nice you might experience some winter here let's see well you will you guys have a white christmas i hope so uh unlikely (laughs) hey (laughs) let me have my let me have my dream it it rarely snows maybe there'll be a miracle I'm hoping for one, yes. So, yes, Chalmers arrives in Cincinnati for EduCon. Uh, there's a fun sign gag. Welcome, non-teaching administrators. I like that. And and this is where there's a big cut in another brand new character as well yes. that uh, d- didn't come into canonicity. We missed out on uh, Superintendent Mel, who is Sideshow Mel's uh, brother, I think yeah. it's implied. Yeah. Well, they're, but they're yeah. both named Mel? I guess so. Uh, it's weird. I was actually wondering how they were going to pull this off. Like, I felt like it would be just kind of confusing. Well, are they going to make him look exactly like Mel? Is he going to sound exactly like Mel? So I'm glad they changed it. Yeah, they gave some of his lines to just another random character played by Dan. But uh, yeah, he talks about how uh, he became a superintendent because he doesn't have a flair for the dramatic like his brother. But he says it in a very dramatic sideshow Mel voice. He just says, yeah, it was it, it it sort of let us get to see Dan do a sideshow Mel scene, too, which uh, I, I always love. I always want to hear from Melvin Van Horn. <laughs> And I think at that point when we meet Superintendent Mel, he calls Gary Garibaldi. Which, you know, that Garibaldi bit, that it wouldn't fit if they hadn't cut that scene uh, that revealed he has, like, Hispanic heritage in uh, the... Oh, yeah. <laughs> senor, senor Chalmers. Oh, sorry, that's later in the uh, in the scene. But right. uh, it is it is the person who was given uh, Superintendent Mel's lines who right. calls him Garibaldi. Meanwhile, Skinner gets pulled over on his drive back. He, uh, I like that uh Fillmore asked for his mother's registration instead of like uh that but i think fenimore should be madder that he's like what did you do to my mom's car but he's he's just mainly smug about it and that's when they notice that uh, well at least skinner notices he has chalmers uh index cards for the speech <laughs> and uh then we cut back to gary as he's being introduced and that's when he realized he's missing the cards too he pulls out what he must have felt the weight of some cards in the same place which is why he never checked but it's a bunch of conversation starters that skinner created and i like how he gets the name of the city wrong because yeah there are two big sea cities in ohio cincinnati and cleveland <laughs> i would think the people in both those cities get real mad if you mix them up i would think this, and this is when their jackets magically change color yes yeah, so they, they go back to what their colors should be i i to answer the two of those questions in there though for me it is socks sock shoe shoe and uh, my favorite seinfeld episode i guess is the bizarro episode Mm. if i had to pick one what's your sock procedure i'm curious i put two socks on and then much later in the day i put shoes on when i leave the house i think my favorite seinfeld episode is a bizarro one as well really so we're on the same page there yeah Uh, i think mine is the rye 
Uh, the marble ride. The marble that's a good ride. One too. That one's also good. Yeah. I also I also like the opposite. Wait, which one's the opposite? The that's when uh, George decides to do everything the opposite oh, of what he would do. Yes. Yeah. And that... changes his life around. <laughs> and, and, fixes... and meanwhile, uh, Elaine becomes George. That's right. Yeah. He's well. If everything you do is wrong, then if you were to do the opposite of that, then it'd be right. Uh, not to go too far into Seinfeld, but I really love the uh, the parking garage episode. Oh yes, that yeah. one's really that's that's, that's a, a favorite one. of mine too. Just because yeah. they get out of the apartments. Skinner, I love any of their bottle episodes. <laughs> uh, Skinner was right that that is a great conversation starter. That yeah, was, yeah, that was smart. <laughs> Look at us go. Let's spend another forty-five minutes talking about this. <laughs> this just turned into talking Seinfeld all of a sudden. Uh, also, the dinner party is really good. I'm going to stop talking now. I, I am all for talking Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, the 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 marble rye is one episode, and then the the dinner party has the cinnamon babka. Oh, that babka, yeah. right? Yeah, with the hair I and the babka. Just love that word. Look to the cookie. <laughs> But yes, uh, as Chalmers is about to, he's forced to give a speech without his notes, and that's when he comes to a realization. Um, <clears throat> well, it's an honor uh, to be here in uh, uh, Cleveland. It's Cincinnati! Look at the skyline! <laughs> you just, you won't believe what's happened. I'm, 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 well, maybe you will. You've all got that one principle, that one that gets you into such ridiculous situations. Maybe even on the way here. Mm, yes, quite. quite. <laughs> this guy Skinner, he, he screws everything up. He took my jacket and my speech. He left me with the useless garbage in his pockets. A mommy manicure kit. A, a VFW event calendar. A B&B rewards card. <laughs> Calico level. Yeah. And conversation starters, like, how can I make your job easier? He sounds like a good guy, you jackass! Well, I... I suppose he is. He's loyal and resourceful and... Oh, God, help me. I respect Seymour Skinner. <laughs> In fact, I like him. Ditto, Gary. Very sweet. Yeah. I In the script, the realization is I don't dislike Seymour yeah. Skinner. I like that they They're actually... They're way meaner to Skinner in the script. Yeah, yeah. It is a much more cynical and mean choice to be like, that is what uh, moves Skinner to hear that he's not disliked by somebody. So I like that Gary's just like, I like this guy. Mm. And I, I really like the uh, the read from Hank, uh, just like seesawing, because he wants to be mad about uh, Skinner. And then he, he sees something that touches him, like, oh, the calico card or whatever. Oh, he that really helped us and he's like okay fine no, i'm actually mad at him he reads the next one and then he tries to get madder and then he sees like the the conversation starters or whatever how can i make your job easier so it's like seesawing between like trying to be mad and being touched and trying to be mad once again and being touched once again also the guy who says he sounds like a good guy uh originally it was superintendent mel saying he sounds like quite the tool <laughs> yeah and chalmers has to do a yes but yeah yeah mm -hmm. you know tonally that maybe fit more in a like a merkin era one to be that mean to be like i don't dislike you as an ending but for the the story they're telling here i think it was better to go genuine with it like actually just have a touching moment just have a hug like just go all the way with this road trip parody thing which is where two guys at the end realize they like each other they did add some jokes though uh when chalmers is talking about you like we've all got what that one principle that you know drives us crazy in the script there's only the mention of the uh principal and superintendent duo being like covered in kelp in the final version of the show they add like three more scenarios around 
on them. Like by visually, you could tell what happened to them. Yeah, the the chain gang one or the people Arrows. in the bullet constrictor. Yeah, the I I like to think that this is just in the world in the reality of the Simpsons. Every superintendent has one principal that annoys them, and they all have wacky adventures off screen. And then in the script, before they all like turn to hug their principals, like they all say their principals' names, like in an oh, affectionate yeah. way. But they cut that out. I, I kind of wish they cut that in there. Yeah, it was fun to think that the, even they also, the superintendents, say their principals' names <laughs> in the tenor of da-da, da-da. <laughs> Uh, and and yeah, another bit in the speech that I like is that when he resumes his speech, it is very bland and boring. It was not a very good speech. That is perfect. It's like it's a speech that can make or break my career. And it is the most like cookie cutter professional conference speech, which as a Ph.D. in computer science, Jeff Westbrook probably went to a lot of these uh, conventions. Oh, yeah. Listen to a lot of very boring professional speeches at these convention centers. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of academia is having to go and give uh, speeches and be published and do all this boring shit. And he must have experienced a lot of that. Have you had to give a speech like that? No, because I was a coward who dropped out after my master's program. So <laughs> no PhD for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, when I learned all the boring crap that was ahead of me for absolutely no reward, I was like, I don't want to do that. And <laughs> uh, in, uh, in the script too, when he finishes telling the story, everybody they met along the way is in the audience but uh that's not there either which you know there was a joke that the vfw guys and the cyclist had now befriended each other and yeah. Bart was confused by that which that would have been funny but i guess that that is again more wackiness this really uh they they turned down the wackiness in general like by about a few notches from the script i like that they let them have a moment together even though it's undercut by the joke of the speech being very boring it's like i'm glad they didn't uh you know uh piss all over skinner's little moment with chalmers yeah they gave the episode way more heart in the end including i uh, i have a clip here of the the happy ending for skinner with uh with bart Got something that belongs to you. Now go give the greatest keynote speech of your life. Well, maybe I already have. But if I must. <clears throat> Educational infrastructure. Ability grouping versus blended learning. Now, <laughs> a survey of public administrators over a 15 trimester period showed clearly within the standard deviation, of course. Well, you did it, dude. How does it feel to get what you've always wanted? Chalmers loves Skinner. Bottom chili dinner. How many wasted Skinner try? One, two, three, four, five. It feels just like this. Maybe you and me were never meant to be. Just maybe think of me. Oh, and they're eating chili together. I love that song. I yeah. like legitimately just love that song. Yes, the theme from WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah, we can talk uh, about that in a second. Uh, in the original script, that has another like sour line that yeah. that has a, a bit of sweetness to it. But I like that they again they play it for sincerity. So in the script, uh, Skinner says the last line is that Cincinnati chili was horrible, but it was the best meal of my life. <laughs> uh, I, I like th it. Just feels like this, and he does the correct high five, and then we cut to the scene of presumably in the past of them eating chili together. Doing the correct high-five was a good callback. Yeah. yeah that doesn't it, come back in the scripts, uh, him not mm -hmm. knowing how to high-five. Yeah, it's so just the sending is way one. better. Yeah. 
No, I like uh, I like that he finally gets the high five on the on the uh, skeleton too, and then like uh, the KRP stuff. I saw Selman just say like he just loved that growing up. Like he thought the opening scene was great. The opening theme was great too, and that uh, he feels that bit there. Maybe you and me were never meant to be, but maybe think of me once in a while. That's what he feels like. The relationship of Skinner and Chalmers is defined by like you know maybe you're not supposed to be the best of friends, but you can have a nice time yeah they had a moment it's it's good that that it's good that the show takes place in cincinnati and that song is so perfect for the scene and in case you don't know but you probably don't because the show is kind of buried because it used so much licensed music because it took place at a radio station so every show has real songs in it they're like pulling out of and going into because they're at a radio station so this show uh has a very weird history in that the first run of it was from 1978 to 1982 it did fairly well but not well enough but it did so well in syndication it came back almost a decade later for two or sorry three more seasons from 91 to 93 so there was a 10-year gap but the syndication was so popular that eventually they just made more of its for syndication sort of like uh mama's family i guess yes yeah i that's how i knew it is the new wkrp and i i watched some episodes but I, I didn't watch a ton of them i i think i watched a few when it got on e in the late 90s like me too yeah yeah though i watched more one day at a time of the 70s shows that they would put on mm. in the afternoon or Rhoda I watched uh, so much Rhoda. I watched a lot of Kate and Allie <laughs> Selman shouted this out about the specificity of Skyline Chili a real place uh, a real chain that is the Clifton location uh, and he says uh, Selman said this about it as research for this episode, we got a bunch of sweet mail order Skyline chili, and then a pandemic came, and I took it all home for the end times. <laughs> so just thinking of, uh, you know, four, five months after this uh, table read we went to, Selman just raids the kitchen cabinets in the uh, in the writer's <laughs> room and, and leaves with cans and cans of chili. He is a big foodie, Matt Selman. Oh, yeah. The Skyline Chili Twitter account is verified with 45,000 followers. And yeah. uh, you know what? They're talking about this episode. Yeah, they they should. They, they I mean, honestly, I think they'll, you know, is it as big a deal to be in a modern Simpsons episode than be referenced in a classic? Maybe not. But I, I feel like they're going to get some people heading over to Skyline Chili. I mean, were I to ever eat Cincinnati Chili, I'm going to have to do it at Skyline to get the legitimate... Uh, uh, thing uh, to get the legitimate Simpsons version of it. I need to know if there's a vegetarian version of this because if so, I'm down. I love vegetarian chili. I make it all the time. It's delicious. So uh, maybe I will make the Skyline vegetarian chili in my own home. <laughs> get that I really had chili. no idea before this episode that Cincinnati chili was such a thing. It's really what defines the town yes. and not <laughs> Charles Manson, as many people have alleged. Maybe it's because I'm just not a big chili person. Oh, we're going to become a chili family. Oh, no. I'll, I'll uh, eat your chili. I'm fine with that. Well, I'm that just sounds disgusting. Throw it out the window. <laughs> uh, the, it, uh, well, I, I still think of Pete Rose. And the, I'm glad there was a Pete Rose gag in there. I did like that the... Uh, the Cincinnati article, the, or the you know Cincinnati specific article that was written on it, they they had good humor about uh, the Pete Rose gambling stuff. So that was like the end of the episode, but there was still one minute left in it, and this was where I think there was the biggest like applause and laughter in in the room. 
it was that you know Julie Kavner, who did not honestly did not need to be there. <laughs> I, I guess she had just had nothing to do that day, or just was like, oh, I'll go hang out at the Fox lot because uh, she she had maybe twenty seconds to shine. Yes, and but so when she finally gets a line at the start of the scene, the whole room just blow broke out into like all, half joking, half meaningful applause of like, thank you, Julie. That was a great line reading there. You've been silent for like thirty minutes in this room. And it's such a nothing line, too. Yes, yeah. I, I'll, here, I'll play the clip. So, guys, what have you been up to? Oh, went on a field trip to the fire station, but nobody told the firemen we were coming. <laughs> Practiced my sax, went to school. Oh, we learned about Peru. I went to work. Lenny had a cold, so he wasn't there. Carl was there, though. <laughs> well, have I got a treat for you all. Tonight, we're going to see Improv Shakespeare. Washing machine! Out damn stain, for there is a tide pod in the affairs of laundry. <laughs> Can you imagine Shakespeare using a tide pod? <laughs> no. <laughs> I I okay, the biggest laugh I remember was yeah. after Lisa says Peru, Marge like Julie at the table where he did a much bigger like mm. <laughs> everybody the, just exploded with laughter the uh the the line reading sorry the direction of the script is uh interesting in quotes noise so mm. interesting noise like mm. <laughs> i also remember at the table read like her delivering that washing machine line so well she was yeah. really into it uh she, she was, was like pointing uh in the air Oh, yeah. She was actually there in the audience. She was charging up her Marge voice that entire uh, that entire table read, <laughs> just waiting to bust it uh, out. And and her final line there was uh, added after the script. Yeah, done. it's funnier that they the the last scene in the script was that uh, Skinner and Chalmers are there and they clink their glasses. But I think it's better that just you don't see. We saw the great last shot of Skinner and Chalmers at Skyline Chili to to see them again in the 40 seconds of Simpsons footage would I think take away from it a little it's better that this is just like the yeah. 40 seconds of Simpsons that scene of them eating chili uh in Cincinnati was not in the original script so they they actually had their final scene at the end of the episode but I like where like their story's over slam the door now like this little Simpsons bookend for like the <laughs> the cold close I guess and also Julie gets to have another line at the end yeah yeah, the more more for her in this episode that she was the like the least served of the regulars in this one. I I like that they even, gave her another they gave her another line and the turkey noise. Yeah, I like <laughs> that even Lisa hates this shit. She's just like, yeah. <laughs> I also appreciated that while it was cut for the show, and I think it was funnier than Homer's just silent. We at the table read did get to hear one live annoyed grunt, mm -hmm. and I I really appreciated that to, to get to hear a Homer. It it made the table read experience complete. For for me i think i'm looking actually at the skyline chili i'm very hungry by the way i'm looking at the skyline <laughs> chili menu and it does seem very unhealthy and it is but a small skyline chili uh plate is about 400 calories a regular is 800 that's uh that's a sometimes food i will say but a small one seems reasonable so you know what 400 is not too bad not yeah. too bad <laughs> and uh yeah the then the credits music starts to play and they just took the end theme from wkrp and the font and the font and also the the style of a wkrp credits is showing a shot of an actor with their name under it and so 
they took you know dan's the shot of the finnamore character and they put dan kesselnet under it when it's julie gavner they show the turkey instead of marge like and it it was also fun just to go like to let viewers know yeah yardley was that improv person now you probably yeah. guessed it as a viewer but it's it was- weird to have a yardley voice character in the same room as lisa yes it is yeah. strange <laughs> i want to point out because i feel like someone will say i can't believe you didn't point this out but i will point it out that i know i knew about this series because in the adventure game day of the tentacle richard sanders who plays les nesman plays bernard in that uh. game it was a big gets Wow, yeah, let's he's such a funny guy in that show. I love him as the uh the most the mo, the biggest prude in the world. He's very funny. Les, Les Nesman is a very fun name too. Yeah. So is there no way to watch this show? Uh I mean, I think I think there were some DVDs, but the problem was it like it changed a lot of music, I think. That they had to. Yeah, it just it's hard to get onto streaming because like uh you know, no one really cares about it number 1, but uh <laughs> number 2, it, there's a lot of music to deal with. That must be um, weird to watch. It's like when I'm watching the 90210 DVDs where they replace all the 90s music with like stuff that sounds way too modern. It yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, no, Dawson's Creek has the same problem I found watching watching Dawson's Creek. And I remember all of the, the top of the pops hits. They, none of them are there in it. I Apparently, there's a very good set from Shout Factory, which should not be surprising to anybody. That's what oh, Shout yeah. Factory does. And uh, uh, many songs integral to certain scenes or plots are kept in. Uh, so they are very careful with which music they license. And uh, I, when looking up the end credits theme on YouTube, somebody did a great i i uh really appreciate the video person who did it because they took they took the long like 90 second version of the outro song and then they just clipped together of guest characters from a million different episodes so you get to see the you know the main cast and then it's just like guest after guest after guest so you get to see like four seconds of like oh wait that person i that saw character i saw edie mcclurg and i'm like she yeah. was of course she was <laughs> uh, i love i love edie she's i i mean i just rewatched the uh the, the classic planes trains and automobile scene with her you're <laughs> fucked <laughs> oh that's uh but yeah it was it was very important for selman to use the wkrp sound uh track for it it was just it was big for him i thought it might have been like a slight brooks thing because it was an mtm production but actually james l brooks left mary tyler moore productions the same year that Mm. wkrp premiered he'd left to start taxi so he he didn't work on wkrp to my knowledge but i would have to think uh brooks was friends with some people there to like know the showrunner or something we met him i am shocked to find out he's 80 like he's Yeah. yeah he's he's been a constant in television uh for uh, since the 50s actually so i kind of just forgot that he is the creator of the mary tyler moore show and everything else like oh he's not just a writer he made that stuff but uh yeah that was that was the episode we were at the table read for i i think it came together really well and i i liked seeing uh i i like seeing a chalmers and skinner episode played you know like a classic uh road trip movie with all of the beats in it well and, yeah and yeah i liked there are a lot of good boring specifics which is a hallmark of a good seymour skinner episode we were so lucky that that was the episode that we got to sit in on i, I feel so lucky and in yeah. case anyone's listening on the show you're more than welcome to invite us back oh Oh, yes. Yeah. If it ever happens again, <laughs> uh, we'll even join the Zoom chat. Uh, oh, please. Yes. 
This time we will leave uh, four hours early. Yes. Yeah. Even two hours wasn't enough to get there. Uh, um, well, yeah. we got there, but like it was very stressful getting there. <laughs> I guess yeah. not unlike Skinner and Chalmers' trip to uh, to play <laughs> there. Thankfully, Mark's car was fine. Yes. Yeah, we had uh, no music, just conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> increasingly, conversation. yeah, increasingly stressful. <laughs> but also, it was like meeting someone for the first time, small talk, while also we're all trying to not be stressed out, even though we're and all super stressed out. Traffic is really bad. <laughs> now, I really like this episode, and I feel like sometimes even us, even we get into the trap of going, "It was, see, it's good, it's still good." And our voices <laughs> rise as we try yeah. to defend something. But th- there's like just very funny jokes in this one, and uh, I defy anyone to say that it's not funny. I defy you. To say it <laughs> because it was very funny and yeah, yeah like I, I it makes you feel confident about like the show as it is now and uh still not renewed as of this moment for season 33 is that correct that's right yeah i expected uh, it happened in january last time so I, if it's gonna happen i think january or february if i had one complaint i would be like you know like could they sound not as old as they are but that's impossible because yeah, people I, age there's there's not much you can do about that go back to podcasts i made 10 years ago i sound like an infant oh god just yes. putting the microphone yeah. in my mouth <laughs> shaking my little rattle everyone gets older this episode made me wish i had a two-syllable last name it's it's very hard to say my last name with anger or affection it's too long frankly your name is too complicated <laughs> it is four I, I syllables <laughs> yeah you guys both have two syllable last names i'm jealous i get all my entire name out in three syllables <laughs> very uh, efficient yeah I, I envy people with like a one syllable first name and a one syllable last name the most i mm. know matsumoto is actually really cool i'm jealous mm-hmm. super cool it doesn't sit there like a banky <laughs> Actually, um, the, the the scene that was cut where all the superintendents are saying their uh, principal's names with affection, there's a Yamamoto in there. That's right. So I guess it doesn't have to be two syllables. I go, Matsumoto! <laughs> uh, yeah, I forget how it was said in the room, like, Yamamoto! I, that's how Wait, it, was, right? it was said with um, affection, though, because that's when oh, they're yeah. all hugging. That's right, yeah. It was something like Yamamoto or something like that. <laughs> I wish they, I really wish they kept it in there now mm. to give people like me a chance to <laughs> have their names said affectionately. Uh, more fun facts. William Howard Taft, also from Cincinnati. So uh, oh. put that in your back pocket. Yeah. It's not just Charles Manson. <laughs> I'm sick of people slandering Cincinnati for the birthplace of Charles Manson. He did other things. He left Cincinnati. Uh, it's fine. He did it all in L.A. anyway. Yeah. Like, yeah. But yes, thank you for listening to Talking Simpsons. We hope you enjoyed this uh, this look into the present of the show. And I'm sure maybe sometime in the future we'll do it again if we're invited back yes. for a table read. Mm-hmm. So uh, Nina, you're our special guest. Where can we find you online and what are you up to lately? I'm on Twitter at Space Coyote. That's Space Coyote with an L at the end instead of an E. I'm a video game merchandise designer for Fangamer. So if you go to, if you go to Fangamer.com, go to collections, sort by artists, go to Space Coyote. You can see all the cool video game merch I've made. Uh, actually, we recently released stuff that's not from a video game. We released merch for Homestar Runner to the surprise of everybody. And that's done really, really well. I designed a Talking Strong Bad plush and a Trogdor t-shirt. I love that Trogdor t-shirt it's, and the plush. They look great. I, I knew I couldn't get that plush. It sold out almost immediately. The, the Strong oh, yeah. Bad ones flew off the shelf. Yeah, the Strong Bad plush sold out within 24 hours. We're working on reprints. Uh, the shirt sold really well too. I think that's uh, coming very close to selling out. 
I like the the Homestar Runner thing too. It reminded me of how we, me and Bob did a whole Homestar Runner thing, and then I learned that you you were a big fan of it and would have been a great a great guest on that one. But, yeah, no, so, I was shocked when I found out that Bob never watched it. So it, it feels is like I know we talked about this, or you guys talked about this on the, the episode, but it felt so perfect for Bob, like yeah, uh, I, for a comedy and cartoon uh, cartoon nerd. Who's also super online? Like you somehow miss Homestar Runner. It's like, like I'm still- statistically impossible for it to miss me, and yet it did. And I don't know. I don't know how, and I can't explain it. But yeah, I, I totally missed that cartoon. But thank you to Nina for being on the show. You're always welcome back, and you might be welcome in my life at some point soon. Who? Permanently. <laughs> So thanks again to Nina for being on the show. Please check out all of her stuff. As for us, if you want to check out more of our stuff and get all these episodes one week ahead of time and ad-free, please go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Sign up there. You'll get just that, but also access to everything behind the $5 paywall. And that includes everything we made in the past three and a half years. You will have instant access to all of it the second you sign up on Patreon. That includes all of our limited miniseries. The most recent one is currently happening right now. It's Talking Futurama Season 2 Part 2. It's currently unraveling through the end of the year. That's nine new episodes of Talking Futurama. And uh, we'll have two new miniseries coming up in 2021 ready for you in the spring and the fall. And those are only available to subscribers at the $5 level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. And there's also a $10 level. If you sign up for that, you get all the $5 stuff, but also access to one make a long podcast once a month only for patrons of that level or higher and what is that henry you're talking about the what a cartoon movie podcast you know our sister podcast what a cartoon covers a different animated series each week but what you might not know is that each month we cover an animated feature film in the same in-depth style going scene by scene through a film in all of its history often for over four hours our most recent one is the Walsh and Grummet film Curse of the Were-Rabbit. And if you sign up this month, you'll not only get to hear that, but our one for December for the end of Evangelion. And a huge back catalog on top of all that. So please sign up today at patreon.com slash talking simpsons at the $10 level to get all of that plus the, all the $5 stuff Bob mentioned. So as for me, I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo, and my other podcast is Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast all about old video games. You can find that at Retronauts.com or wherever you find podcasts. And also, we have a Patreon there at Patreon.com slash Retronauts. Sign up there for two bonus episodes every month. Henry, how about you? You can follow Henry Gilbert on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. I'm always tweeting up a storm on there. And, you know, you can also follow on Twitter at Talk Simpsons Pod, at Talk Simpsons Pod, at Talk Simpsons Pod, which our guest Nina really helps us out with that, too. You can stay up to date whenever new stuff goes live on the Patreon, on the free feed, when there's a poll, when we've got news. When we go to a table read, you'll learn about that whenever it happens if you follow at Talk Simpsons Pod on Twitter. So please do. Thank you so much for joining us, folks. Next week, we're going back to season 11 with It's a Mad, 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 Mad Marge. And we'll see you then.
they have been invited to give the keynote address. Oh, oh well. Yes, uh, Sunday, <laughs> main auditorium. The Proctor and Gamble Room? Crushed it! <clears throat> well, that couldn't have gone worse. I agree. <laughs>